Sports. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pursuta with your sports this morning on the DVE Morning Show. Benzie, what's up? Only thing worse than the weather is the Penguins' defense. Wow. Uh, lost last night, Matt Murray's return game. Welcome back, Matt. 40 <laughs> saves, or 40 shots oh. on goal he had to make. 36 saves, an empty netter along the way for the Islanders. 4-1 to one, they lose to New York. Uh, Pittsburgh just gave up way too many good chances. Christopher Gibson, the goalie for the Islanders, he was really good. Connor Sheary, the only guy to get a goal for Pittsburgh. Here is... Uh, Mike Sullivan, head coach of the Pens, on Matt Murray's return and the concern that he has for the team right now. He made a lot of saves. He made a lot of high-quality saves because we, we gave the quality of the chances that we gave up were, were too high. I feel like you guys have been kind of inconsistent the last couple of weeks. Yes. Does it, uh, doing that this late in the season, is that particularly troubling me? Yes. Oh, oh no. wow, boy. It was like a 90-second post-game press conference. A 90 seconds. Who asked him that? That was Jonathan Bombouli from the trip. Wow, that was... Uh... Dad's getting quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you guys see the opening of the game? I mean, puck no, drops. I Matt Murray's that. just you know still getting loose in the crease, still messing up the blue paint, the ice over it. Next thing you know, there's a shot on goal. It was awful. It was terrible. Um, Pittsburgh only had one power play along the way. Got five penalties tonight. They play against Montreal PPG Paints Arena on the exit seven. And uh, the Blue Jackets and Caps both won, so that means the standings are as follows. Caps first place, 91 points. Blue Jackets and Pens tied at 97. And then the Philadelphia Flyers are one point back after an overtime loss last night with 86. Steelers signed and introduced new safety Morgan Burnett yesterday. He's 29. It's three years to three-year deal with $14.5 million. Burnett, renowned as a great communicator and good tackler in the secondary also a versatile player, played both safety positions, slot corner, hybrid linebacker. So what does he prefer, strong safety or free safety? No, they haven't said anything yet. So now I'm just coming in. Like I said, everything's new. So I'm just coming in just do my job the best way I can, earn the respect of my teammates, be accountable as a teammate, and earn the respect of the coaches, and then just try to uh, get in the routine with the rest of the fellas. Which safety spot would you prefer to play uh, it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, I enjoy playing football, so as long as I'm on the <laughs> field, I'm happy and I'm good to go. Basically, personality-wise, if you took Mike Mitchell and came up with 180 degrees the opposite, it would be Morgan Burnett. Mm-hmm. Responsible, quiet leadership, steady, calm personality. I will love him then. Yes. If, if you think of Mitchell in your head and come up with anti-Mike Mitchell, bizarro mm-hmm. Mike Mitchell, it's him. Tim, I wouldn't have even cared if Mike Mitchell's, you know, uh, off the field stuff and just what a pain in the ass he was sometimes to listen to. If he did it on the field, I wouldn't care. But like, he was, uh, you know, I think he got a lot better. The first couple years, years, year, he was just argumentative and he was making excuses constantly and was really getting toasted. His first year here was horrible. Right. And he played through a lot of injuries and give him credit for that, but it, he was playing through them to the point that he was just no good. Yes. And then mm-hmm. next year he got better and then I think he regressed again. Yeah. But, you know, the look at me thing after every single tackle, even if it was it's... 11 yards down the field, was too much. And, um, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, I think you and Pursuta actually uh, are on opposite ends yes, of the spectrum here. He, he loves, a lot of the writers love Mike Mitchell because he's a great quote. But to me, he's a pain in the ass to get the quote. So I don't care that much if he's yeah. a good quote. I don't want to do the work to get there. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, with this guy on board, what are they going to do at safety? Who's going to be there to safety? The thinking is you move uh, from strong safety to free safety, Sean Davis. But Matt Williamson, who was on with Mark Madden, who will be on with us later, had a completely different take. 
I think Cam Sutton's going to be the free safety. I, I really do, and I think he's really equipped to excel in that area. Burnett is more strong than free. And some systems, it doesn't matter. The Steelers, it does. You know, going back to Palomalu, they have a more of a strong and more of a center field type. I think Davis is interesting, and he's kind of in my doghouse, to be honest with you. I don't think he's been very impressive. It sounds like you think, think he might be in the Steelers' doghouse, too. I think he's now the third guy. That's quite a leap. Wow. Mm. You know, I know they're thinking about that. I know that was on the radar if they couldn't find themselves a safety that they liked, but I didn't think it was on the verge of happening. So that's an interesting take from Matt there. Um, well, the way the, that the secondary played, I think everything is on the table, at least in camp, right? Yeah, and you're going to see a lot more. I would think you would see a lot more dime here, you know, especially if they don't get themselves an inside linebacker they can trust in pure passing situations early in his rookie season of his NFL career. So you'll see a lot of Davis out there anyway. But this Burnett guy could turn into what amounts to a quasi-linebacker on the field. Well, isn't that what, Didn't he play that's what linebacker I, last year? He played some. Some. Yeah. I mean, like he calls himself a strong safety, or actually just calls himself a safety. But, you know, everybody I talked to in Milwaukee said that, you know, in Green Bay he basically played a strong safety position. Okay, yeah, that's what I was – well, Pursuta told us yesterday, so I assume that was, mm-hmm. like, common knowledge. Like, yeah, no, we're bringing him in. He's going to be a big – Threat. Uh, the way I yeah, the way I think of it is, if you were looking for a linebacker that can do safety things to replace Shazier, I think they got a safety that can do linebacker things. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they're just looking at it from the other end of the lens. There you go. We heard about uh, Troy Palomalu there, a reference from Matt Williamson. You see, Troy is involved in this new football league. There's something called the American Ward. Alliance of Football, where he and Heinz Ward and Justin Tuck are teaming up <laughs> with uh, Ebersol's kid. Oh, it's already no. got a network deal with CBS. What? Wow. This is like the really? spring football answer to the XFL. And Troy, who I never envisioned to do anything with football ever after the day he retired, I thought he was going to go walk the earth barefoot. <laughs> now he's like an executive for this new league. They had a press conference yesterday and everything. It was strange. Like I never envisioned him in football at all after playing. Did you guys? No. Uh, no. But, you know, no. I mean, he does have a ton of kids. And they really, I mean... <laughs> I'm sure eventually he's like, I, I got to get out of here. And then Heinz was like, <laughs> I have a, a half-cocked idea. And he's like, good enough. I'm, I'm going with you. Uh, the catch rule is changing. There we go. About a year too late, but the catch rule it looks like is changing. The competition committee is suggesting to the owners that they get rid of the slight movement of the ball rule and the going to the ground element of the rule. The big thing to me that they left out of this is they're not touching the goal line. All the problems occur at the goal line. And they're right. not doing anything with the goal line, which is weird to me. Plus, when they get specific with the language now, if they move, if they change it to like you know major movement of ball, what constitutes slight movement of the ball versus major move? You know, there's, yeah, there's, see, it's going yes, exactly. to end up being a judgment call anyway, and people are going to get pissed. Yeah, but off. don't you think they could like linguistically get around that? Like you know, the if the ground would have to like markedly change the trajectory of the ball. They're just in changing the, the way of and, saying the same thing. And to me, yeah. the most easy thing to do is you treat a receiver like a run back at the goal line and 90% of these debated calls go away but they're just there's nothing I've seen anyway about language at the goal line that has changed I don't disagree with you I think the the rule they had was close to being the one they should keep and it was implemented like way too strict that whole surviving the ground thing was right. stupid and it sounds yes. like they're getting rid of that yeah that they're putting better language in from what I've been able to read I would just include the goal line stuff too. uh which who was the tight end for Philly in the Super Bowl that got the the touchdown Ertz? 
Yeah, the the touchdown from like he caught it on the ten. Yeah, and then like you know dove oh, at yeah. the goal line, and everyone's like, oh, that's the same thing as Jesse James. No, and he it was, was like, a runner. No, it's not. He's a runner right, now. Right, exactly. But it is emblematic of they are using replay to try to disallow calls as opposed to look for a way to show an obviously blown call. And let's get to the number one problem of, of instant replay, which is the referees never want to make a call. Right, because they they don't they want to, be, to blow the whistle. They're like, ah, uh, we'll let somebody else deal with this. Well, look at college basketball over the weekend where they're not even they're just running up to each other and then deciding after they talk and look as to which way the ball was supposed to go before it went out of bounds. The whole the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket, Tim. It is. Uh, Pitt football is its pro day today. Eleven guys that could be drafted. And speaking of Pitt, the basketball team waits to find out what Danny Hurley wants to do. <laughs> Head coach of URI, a three million dollar offer on the table. He might be the second highest paid coach in the ACC if Pitt were to hire him behind Coach K. He's just got to decide if coming to this mess is better than going to Storrs, Connecticut, or staying in Kingston, Rhode Island to coach the Rams. I mean, that's hazard pay in my mind. Yeah. yeah. You, know. you could honestly, it's the first honestly. coaching job I've ever thought to myself where it's $3 million. Is that I don't enough? know. That, they should hey, up this is harder any. work than that. <laughs> right. It's like he's going to an expansion ACC team, and you don't get Marc Andre Fleury to be your point guard like the Vegas Golden Knights. You got no quarterback. You got no quarterback to work with. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pursuit with your sports <laughs> this morning on DVE. Val, you got news coming up. Yeah, cleaning makes you happy. We'll Jeff, talk about that. Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, hanging with us. Bill Burr on the show. Tell my wife. And I had to say that because Pursuta isn't here. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TV morning show. <laughs> Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday's hanging out with us. <clears throat> All right, just let's flip through some headlines that you might have missed in the uh, last 12 hours. See, what happens now in the, in the news cycle, it seems to be after 9 p.m., a ton of it's things a flurry break. of activity because they put out all the stuff that's going to hit the next morning, and they try to get, I guess, extra clicks the night before. I don't know. That's my theory. I don't know if that's why they do it. Uh, okay, the first. Well, yeah, it's already with the digital. You don't have to. You don't have to go to the presses. Right. You just you put it on online. Put post. All right. First headline for you. They may have uh, missed uh, Ben Carson. You know Ben Carson, of course. Sleepy Benny. The uh, the <laughs> Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, who's under fire because he uh, he, he purchased a $31,000 dining set for his office. Uh, and he blamed it. By the way, he blamed it on his wife. He said it was her fault. He also, they wrote a book together, and BuzzFeed found a bunch of stuff that they plagiarized. In that book, he blamed that on his wife when it happened. This guy's always blaming his wife. Damn it, Ben! I'm back on board. Uh, so here's I'm a big fan it was of the that. best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> Guess which one was my wife's fault? Yeah. Uh, so here's the headline. Uh, and this is uh, uh, so Ben Carson. Ben Carson defends purchase of new thirty-one thousand dollars set. Quote: The dining room table was actually dangerous. Now, it seems what? to me only Ben Carson could find a dining room table dangerous and deem the only way to remedy that would be by getting a $31,000. Was it made of asbestos? <laughs> like, that's the only reason why it would cost $31,000 to remediate. She got the one that was made of all rusty nails. It's my understanding that the facilities people felt that the dining room table was actually dangerous, he told the House Appropriations Subcommittee. People are being stuck by nails. A chair collapsed with somebody sitting in it. <laughs> and you got ripped off, pal. 31 grand? Well, no, Nails no. sticking out no, of it? No, no, no. He's saying he had to replace this old 
dangerous Junkie one table. with the thirty-one thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he just said, and they were like, "Well, why did you have to go spend all these taxpayer dollars on something so expensive?" And he goes, uh, "My wife did that. I didn't do it." Oh, okay. All right. I can't even imagine what a thirty-one thousand dollars dining room table would look like. Uh, what what features I, does it have? Is, is no it just idea. made of a flat screen plasma TV that takes up the length <laughs> of the room? Is it Onyx? What is it made out of? Years ago, I bought like a when I bought my house, I bought like a nice dinette dinette set, dining room, like a dining room table and yeah. chairs. Uh, it wasn't a dinette. What's a dinette? That's like a little chrome dinette. Those little things you put in your kitchen, I guess. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. Uh, but it it was like I couldn't believe how expensive it was, and I want to say it was like. Maybe fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred dollars. Like I'd have punch you in the face, buddy. If we weren't in this Levin furniture. 30. The only thing I know about dining room sets is from what I've watched on Prices Right. Like I've never <laughs> gone shopping for a dining set. And if you bid thirty one thousand dollars, you'd be over. Yeah, you'd lose. <laughs> Way over. So now you know the chick from uh uh Sex in the City is running for governor of New York. Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon, that's right. And uh, she's going up against a uh, a blowhard kind of lady, uh, Christine Quinn. Hey, oh. right, and she said, <laughs> she's a former city council speaker uh, at uh, in New York, I guess. She said that uh, uh, Chris, uh, Cynthia Nixon is a an unqualified lesbian. What's a qualified lesbian? I don't know. <laughs> This poor, poor Cynthia Nixon is like, I've been putting in the work. I've been showing up to the meetings. I drive a Subaru. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what I need to do here. I've found You mean that, the lesbian meetings. Yes. <laughs> At any time, like we were talking about last time, any time you use someone's like identity like that to attack them, that means that now your argument is completely invalid. Yeah. I, I think. Like yep. it's just You're if, under if, fire. If you're if you're so scared that that's the that's the thing that you're gonna go to as a defense, then you're screwed. But that's it's, kinda like the Roy Moore like one of our lawyers is a Jew. <laughs> it's it's never good. Yeah. And uh, the last uh, headline for you, which was the best one uh, of the night by far, and it became a meme, as everything does in like one minute. Why not? Uh, as you may or may not know, President Trump called and congratulated Vladimir Putin on winning the election in Russia. This after the entire world is rebuking him for basically murdering a spy in London uh, well, that's and, not even the best part of it. No, the no, best no, no, part is no, the no, notes. No, no. Right. <laughs> the best part of the story is that in his daily briefings, which, as you know, he doesn't like to read because he likes pictures and he wants people to just tell him things. So he doesn't read his PDB, PDB whatever they are. Uh, he, uh, They had to write in big block letters at the top of it, do not congratulate. <laughs> <laughs> Do not congratulate. And he's like, I'm gonna. No, do not. I mean, imagine how many post-it notes John Kelly and those guys have had to leave around the Oval Office. Jiggle the handle. <laughs> when he was going to visit the uh, the victims of the shooting, he's like, do not say awesome scar. Right. Do not. <laughs> do not say great job. White supremacy. Bad. Li circle line through it. Do not congratulate. And lastly, Toys R Us says millennials are not having kids, and that's why they're going out of business. <laughs>
Toys R Us says to get screwing, you lazy millennials. Millennials always get crapped on. They really do. It's it could be because fair. Toys R Us took on like $500 million of debt. Yeah. How about that? And like Amazon. I mean, online retail has taken over. You know what, though? It does. Does that not bum you out? That there's not going to be any toy stores well, anymore. I read an article that there's a there's a guy who's trying to bring KB toys back. Oh, really? That's because, what we had. Uh, because yeah. he, he he bought it a few years ago because Toys R Us used to own the the trademark, and then they just let it go. And this this guy who owns this toy toy manufacturing company bought the uh, the, the the trademark. So that'd be cool if it came back. I remember I used to go to Children's Palace. Children's Do you remember Palace, that? hell yeah! <laughs> it had a certain Children's smell to Palace. it. It smelled like those. You know, remember those big cages filled with all the colored rubber balls? Mm-hmm. That just—they must have like <laughs> oh, yeah. bought incense that had yeah. that smell in it because the whole store smelled like like neoprene rubber. It was great. They're making was- these here. There was uh, used to be a children's palace on McKnight Road, and before they built, <laughs> like when I was really little, we used to have to come down McKnight Road from Franklin. Uh-huh. You had oh to go through God. Butler and you know down Route Seventy nine wasn't there yet. Uh, no, I don't think so. Wow. Or only- maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe it was just newfangled, and we were afraid to use it. <laughs> it had to have been. That was no. It, it was a horse trail then. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I had to guess, it would have been. <laughs> That, it would have been there, but your dad was probably uh, not hand, not dealing with that traffic. He, your dad was probably a little smarter, Maybe. and you had to go into the North Hills. Plus, we parked on the north side. R- well, then there you go. So, well, my dad is anyway, the same way. He li- he preferred the back roads. Yeah, back to, there was a children's palace on McKnight Road, and I would beg to stop every time we came to a Pirates game. Nope. Right past it. Not go. <laughs> uh, there was a, ch- oh, my God. <laughs> Children's. Children's Palace is the greatest. Though. It's a palace for me. There used oh. to be one across the street, like across the highway from the Monroeville Mall that we used to go to, and now it's like a Jeep or a car dealership. But I even think about like the cat, like you can't have a catalog for Christmas, like where you used to leaf through the catalog and circle oh, things that you wanted. And it was incredible. Well, I'll oh, tell you what yeah. Toy Store is absolutely killing it is Learning Express. There's only a couple of them. But go in there any time of day, any day of the week, and I, there's it's packed. I don't like what the fact that now kids have to learn while they're playing something. I just want to get my son like a lightsaber. I don't need it to like speak Spanish or like <laughs> ca- or like share the Pythagorean yeah. theorem with him. I just want it to buzz and make like some stormtrooper sounds. Like for the love of God. I don't know, but as someone who doesn't have children, when I would go into Toys R Us, I would get a little sweaty. <laughs> like oh, yeah. Ah! Where is everything? Oh my God! I the don't rush know what of it all. Yeah, I don't know. Bill and I went in for uh, when we did Mikey and Bob's thing the last few years. Oh yeah, the, us. The, the, yeah, and we'd go on a quick, you know, shop, spree, shopping spree. It's not hard to get right back into the. Oh, I want that. I want. I. I, I wasn't even going to play with this stuff, but I just thought about being a kid. And I'm like, oh, that that's awesome. Yeah, I want that. And if I had kids, it's the last place I'd want to this take. This is them. my my son has. Oh, I found an old cache of my old Ninja Turtles. So my son's three years old. So a, a lot of comedians around town have been like, "Hey, you're not. You haven't been coming out to open mics." I was like, "Let me tell you what my nights are like, and let me tell you what I'd like to <laughs> like to spend doing." I was like, "I put pro wrestling on Netflix. Me and my son go downstairs and we play with my old Ninja Turtles." I was like. No offense, but I don't want to be anywhere but that point right right there. I was like, if you would have told me when I was 14, I'd be in the basement when I'm 34 playing with Ninja Turtles and watching pro wrestling, and it would be socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. 
Golden. I'm <laughs> totally in on that. <laughs> Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, what do you got coming up? Uh, doing the uh, Apis Mediary uh, audience participation show down in Carnegie. That's tomorrow. Nice. So that'll be good. That's, that's with a fun the, show. That's with, uh, what time does that start? I think at 8, 8 o'clock. Yeah, down, downtown Carnegie, Apis Mediary. Uh, it's called... Uh, um, Crowd work. Crowd work, yeah. So it's basically comedians kind of go up there and just riff with the audience. And then on uh, Saturday, I'm going to be down at the arcade with uh, with Sean Collier. Cool. Packed. This is the most packed weekend I've had. Nice. Nice. Uh, Val has your news coming up next, Valerie. Well, people who clean are much happier. Bill Burr, 8 o'clock, DV. Center 11. It's 28 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A former Playboy model is suing to free herself from an agreement to remain silent at about, a, about an affair she claimed she had with Donald Trump before he became president. Karen McDougal filed the suit against American Media Incorporated. That's the owner of the National Enquirer. The publication allegedly paid her $150,000 for her story, but it was never published. I think they call catch it like yeah, kill. catch and kill. So they they do that to keep it from being publicized. The publication allegedly uh, paid her, like I said, 150 grand, according to an expose last month in the New Yorker. She and Trump began an affair in 2006 after he'd married Melania Trump, and shortly after the birth of their son Barron, which, if I remember correctly, is the same time frame he was involved with Stormy Daniels allegedly. Is he double dipping? It seems like it. Triple dipping. McDougal claims she was misled by American media and her lawyer at the time, and she wants the contract invalidated. She spoke with The New Yorker last month and maintains she was warned by the media company not to make any further disclosures. And more information surfacing about Stormy Daniels and her encounters with Donald Trump. According to reports, she took a lie detector test about her relationship with Trump. And the test examiner believed there was more than a 99% probability she was telling the truth when she claimed she had unprotected sex with the future president back in 2006. Daniels sat for a polygraph text, uh, test May 19th, 2011 at a Las Vegas doctor's office. The test came about because InStyle magazine did an interview about her 12-month affair with Trump, but the magazine never published it due to the threat of a lawsuit from Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen. A Las Vegas polygraph specialist named Ronald Slay conducted the test with Daniels. He testified Monday in a sworn declaration the results of the exam are true and correct. Who would have ever thought that a failed casino owner and operator and a guy who walks into the dressing room of 17-year-old beauty pageants all the time and is constantly surrounding himself with porn stars and playmates would be in this kind of trouble. And a judge has also ruled that former Apprentice contestant Summer Zervos can proceed with her defamation suit against the president. She is suing because he called her a liar after she claimed that he groped her back in 2007, which again is that time frame. Side pieces are coming other- home to roost. How does he have time to golf when he has to meet with 10 different groups of lawyers for all the lawsuits that are coming to? Do they just, are they his caddies? Yeah, they're caddies. That's what he should do. He should just have them on the course with him while he's uh, golfing at his own golf courses. Just have his own legal team working there as well. He probably employs, he's probably somehow making money off of his own lawyers too. Here's some motivation to do a little spring cleaning if we ever get to spring. I mean, I know the calendar says it's spring. How pissed were you when you woke up this morning? I refuse to clean off the driveway. I know. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I will not do it. I almost wanted to just got like just ground and pound my way up the driveway. I'm so I was so pissed when I woke up. 
I didn't realize it was actively snowing when I was like, I looked outside. I'm like, oh, well, we got blasted overnight. And then like I pulled out of my garage and I was like, oh, wow, it's still coming down. And I fishtail out of my driveway. Flakes. Oh, huge wet flakes. It was it was uh, a pretty uh, hairy ride in this morning. Yeah, well, we're supposed to get another one to three today. Yeah. Oh, good. Big deal. Or more, depending on where you are. Tough it up, Pittsburgh. Everything's on delay, right? Just tired of it. I'm tired of it, I'm too. I'm over it. I know, but think of all those- Snow bunny for Easter. We had like eight 65-degree days in February. So? <laughs> I'd rather just have winter when it's supposed to be winter, and then we, we'll be done with it the same time every year. No. Can we go back to that? Snowflake. Uh, so uh, a new survey found people who like cleaning their homes are 25% happier than those who don't like to clean. And 100% more likely to have a huge stash of Adderall. Uh, that happiness increases 53% for every additional hour they clean in a week. The survey wow. by Clorox also revealed oh, that right, people who have a clean home are not only happier, but they're more relaxed, focused, and productive than people with a messy home. And kids who grow up in a clean home study more and are more well-behaved. This, the cleaning study by the International Federation of Broom Makers <laughs> says sweeping makes you happier. Have you ever heard that, that woman who has that book? It's, I forget what it's called. I think it's like the life-changing. Uh, it's, it's something about tidying up. It's the Japanese woman. No, I don't know who that is. Tiger Mom? No, it's What's not it? Tiger Mom, but it's, it's just about like the... Tidying mom? T- tidying up. Yeah, tidy mom. Um, it's it's like her philosophy is that if you clean, I mean, exactly what that study is saying, basically. Have a clean house, you'll be happy? Yeah. Uh, did you ever see that speech by the one uh, Marine Corps guy who's like, uh, gave some sort of uh, commencement speech and he talked about the importance of making, making your, bed. your bed? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a big military thing, right? Let me tell you what. I watched that. It has carryover like, effect. There's no doubt. I made. I started making my bed the next day. What year was this? Last year. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> very recent. I only lasted one day. But here's the thing: I felt like for a day, very put together. I really did feel like <laughs> I had it all. All the synapses were firing. All my boxes checked. T's crossed. Eyes dotted. I just flipped the covers up. That's a good move. That's mostly just to keep the dogs off the sheets. <laughs> Do you refluff the pillows? Mm, I don't know. Look for get no. get back to maximum pillow I do density that before I go to bed. The psychology behind it is basically that you are accomplishing a task right at the beginning of the day, and that leads to accomplishing more things as the day goes on instead I of mailing it in peeing to be a great task to start the morning with it is a good one yeah. it is one of my favorites <laughs> oh i knock I that feel, out every morning so do i, I feel that's pretty good. about as much as i can handle some mornings it's tough for me to make my bed because i like i have it timed down to get the maximum amount of sleep and uh my bed is not like a pullover because i sleep like i'm like crashing into the last wall of a of a water slide like, <laughs> like i wake up and like you're wrestling with somebody it, yeah it looks like i might have you know accidentally flipped sideways at Sandcastle on, on the last turn. <laughs> and I just want to get out of bed, hurry up and shower, and then, you know, try to grab right. something to eat and make it here. It's not like people come over and see the bedroom. I know, but, like, that's the whole philosophy. Like, Bill said, you know what, if you yeah. made your bed, you know, maybe one day people would come over and see your bedroom. It's not about... hey <laughs> It's It's not about making your bed. It's about the psychological effect that it has on your brain of, like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm getting these things done. What yes. about making your lunch? 
Sure. I think it, it, it might lead to that. <laughs> it might lead to making your lunch? Yeah. <laughs> Here's what Bill's saying, and I agree with him. Well, I mean, the the theory of all of it. You know, like, if you want to lose weight, make your bed in the morning. Yep. You start That'll do, do it. You start with a discipline. It's just about, it's the... You can eat as much as you want. <laughs> No, it's no, discipline. No. You can sit on your freshly made bed and watch TV and eat all day. No, and- it's discipline. That's the point, Val. Like if you have, like I used to have this argument with Slack. I used to say, look, it's not about, if, if you have a donut in the morning, it's not about just that donut. Like that donut, you might be able to work that off. But it's about, you just you just opened it up in your brain where you now are letting the lizard brain run things for the day. Mm-hmm. So then at lunch... Well, you have a couple bags of chips, and then all of a sudden the day has completely got away from you and you're eating ice cream in bed. Right. Anti-tobacco group. as long as it's made, you won't gain weight. That's what I took from this conversation. (laughs) Anti-tobacco group Truth Initiative is blasting Netflix for showing too much smoking. The group looked at the 14 most, most popular shows among people 15 to 24. It found 319 incidents of tobacco use. More than twice as many as shows on other platforms. Stranger Things, and I don't know if this is because it's set in the 80s when smoking was much more acceptable. But Winona Ryder's character in uh, Hopper, the cop. Oh, my gosh. They're like, never yeah. not smoking. Non-stop. They had more than 180 scenes with cigarettes. Other shows at the top of the list included Orange is the New Black, which takes place in a prison, so I don't know. A lot know. of smoking. I mean, what do you do there? Right. You, you make your bed and smoke. Swap cigarettes. House of Cards and Fuller House. Yeah. What? Which I was surprised. Everybody's smoking the baby smoke on Fuller House now. <laughs> well, not a I Netflix. I never remember seeing somebody smoke on that show. Do they chew? I don't know. That's uh, Joey's always doing the Popeye impression and he's <laughs> taking it to a new level. While not a Netflix produced show, AMC's The Walking Dead is available on the service and had more than 80 examples. A Netflix spokesperson told Variety the company wants to find out more about that. As study. a former smoker, there were certain shows where I'd watch and I'd be like, oh, yeah, those smokes look good right now. Oh, yeah, that coffee. And that cigarette they're having in this scene, that looks good. But that starts to wane, you know. I, now what I think when I see people smoking is, my God, they've been smoking this whole movie. How many cigarettes did they have to smoke as an actor or actress to get through this role? And how do you do that? What if you had to do that scene ten times and there's like a, the cigarette is somehow integral? Dude, Humphrey Bogart. Like, watch any Humphrey Bogart movie. He's smoking an unfiltered cigarette in every scene he's in. Didn't he die when he was like 57? Yeah. And that's the, that's the answer to your question. Right. How do you get through these movies? Well, you don't. Yeah. You have a short career. But don't they have like herbal cigarettes? Aren't there like supposedly these cigarettes that The candy don't, cigarettes. With the, the, yeah. The that'd be great if they out. used those. Clint Eastwood probably would. <laughs> like, remember how we used the plastic baby in American Sniper? Because they're like, the real baby got sick and the backup baby's <laughs> sick. And he's like, put a plastic one in there. Let's go. <laughs> like, if they didn't have enough cigarettes, for sure, he'd be like, put the bubble gum in his mouth and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the candy cigarettes had the red tip on the end. So oh, yeah. it looked like it was burning. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how they got you. Guess who paid for those candy cigarettes? RJR. They were they were for sure manufacturing those things. I can't believe my mom let me have those. She was so anti-smoking. Really? Oh yeah. Both my parents smoked nonstop. What my, is the what was the obsession cuz I had candy cigarettes too? I don't know. It was I the coolness of like being able to like blow into it and have that smoke. puff of smoke come out? Yeah, that was it.
There were like Lucky Strikes or but, something. I forget what the brand was. Yeah, but then you figured out that that, that smoke was really all the sugar. So you didn't want to blow it away. <laughs> you just lick it off. You're like, I'm going to eat the smoke. I don't really care. And then, the, you know, you develop. You hungry, hungry hippo, yeah. <laughs> the, the cloud of sugar dust. <laughs> Uh, sportscaster Bob Euchre nearly died from a spider bite last fall. The voice of the Milwaukee Brewer says he was changing a light bulb in his garage in Scottsdale, Arizona when it happened. He told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, quote, I had a pair of shorts on. I got bit by a spider, but I didn't know it. I didn't feel the, it bite me. The next day I had a red mark on my leg and it kept getting bigger. I kept trying to take care of it by myself, but it kept getting worse. It turned out it was a brown recluse spider. After four days, he went to a doc. Four days, he went to a doctor who sent him to the hospital immediately. He had to have surgery. The 84-year-old Euchre says it took five weeks to recover, but he is fine now. Finally, you know how every year we are involved with the Pittsburgh Rock and Roll Legends yeah. induction and show? Well, the event has always been a fundraiser for the caring, uh, Cancer Caring Center, but they have suspended it for this year. Instead, they'll do a Donny Iris show at Jurgles on May 5th. Cancer Caring Center is celebrating its 30th anniversary, so they're doing a lot of work on that. But the Legend Ceremony is set to return next year. That's very cool. The uh, Post-Gazette had an article on it, you know, and um, it's very funny. I was I like reading the comments in the Post-Gazette articles. The, the first, first comment. Donnie has more talent in his big toe than most other wimpy young acts of today. Way more. <laughs> greatest rock musician from this area i couldn't agree more i was uh talking about this last night i don't i think for as many people who know the the lore of donnie iris uh they haven't gone and seen him actually perform they know the songs but they've not been to a donnie iris show that's correct to see it live is really to understand why the uh, the Donny Iris character and persona has blown up the way it has because he's unbelievable. Hey, he can still bring it. He's seventy five. His energy level is unparalleled. I never think he's seventy five. I don't either. When I'm hanging out with him, I never like you're seventy five. I just think like, oh, you're that badass singer. One of my favorite things with Donny is last year at the Christmas show at Jurgles, I took a selfie with uh, Rick Witkowski. <laughs> As soon as I was done, Donnie just jumped in front of us and said, I just photobombed your asses. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Go to that Jurgle show. He's the greatest. I hope he keeps doing those Greensburg, uh, the Palace Theater shows, and those become his Billy Joel residency, residency uh, of Madison Square Garden shows. Here. Yeah, because there was something about the vibe of those shows everybody was raving about. Oh, and, it was awesome. And just, you know, saying the unbelievable energy outside the show before you got in. Oh, there were people was, tailgating in the parking yeah. garage. There you go. It was like what Trump thinks his speeches are always like. <laughs> 15 standing ovations. People tailgating beforehand. Donnie. 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 Go to Jurgles. Uh, that's May 5th. 5th. There you go. All right. Uh, on the way for you. Mike Pursuta is off today. Tim Benz filling in with sports. Bill Burr will be on the show at 8 a.m. And I want to remind you that I'm going to be taking part in the Are You Smarter Than a Crossroads Scholar event, which is April 7th. It's the Follows and Carnegie. It's uh, uh, me and um, uh, I think Lisa Sylvester and uh, somebody from Channel 2. Emilio from Azazu is going to be there as well. It's, uh, It's a really cool 
program, Crossroads Foundation, where they basically help people get to the next level academically that might not be able to otherwise. Uh, you can uh, be a part of this by going to www.crossroadsfoundation.org. So it's like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Except I'm going against a Crossroads scholar, like a high school kid, who's going to make me look even stupider than I already appear. I can only answer for myself, but the answer to that question is no. No, I am not smarter than a Crossroads <laughs> No, scholar. I definitely am not. Tim Benz filling in next. Uh, he'll have a sports report for you. Bill Burr. 8 a.m. right here on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit off today. Tim Benz filling in with your sports this morning on DVE. Benzy. Is it just me or did the Penguins play last night like they didn't want Matt Murray back? Like, mm-hmm. we're just going to let Johnny Boychuk tee up open shots and try to drill you in the mask again. And they were bad in front of him last night. It no was, discipline. I was very unhappy watching that Penguin game last night. I just I got angry at them along the way. I Some, wanted them to play better for their goaltender when he came back last night. Someone posted a picture of Latang bent over in frustration on the ice, and I kind of felt like, yeah, that's seemingly where uh, they are right now. And you heard the coach last hour, right? Oh, he, man. It's not just pissed. me. It's not just you. It's not just Latang. He was mad. We'll hear from him again a little bit later on. But uh, Penguins lose last night to the Islanders 4-1. to one in Brooklyn, so they go and play three non-playoff teams right in a row on the road. They only go 1-1-1 in the process. Tonight, they play one of those teams again, the only team they beat, and that's Montreal at PPG Paints Arena. 7 o'clock on 105.9 The X. Last night, Matt Murray did come back after missing nine games. He had 36 saves, gave up three goals, though, an empty netter along the way. Here's what Murray had to say about his return, and well, basically the team, and maybe himself and goal, being outplayed. You know, I thought as a team, we could have been a little bit better, you know, more consistently, uh, myself included. But uh, we had our moments. We had a good second period, but, um, you know, they just outplayed us, um, I think, overall, just a little bit. And that Islander goalie, Christopher Gibson, was really good. He was really good, good against them last time when they played against each other here mm-hmm. at the arena, too. As for Mark andre Fleury, he got hit in the mask again last night in Las Vegas and had to leave the game. Really? Yeah, so yeah, I didn't see him come back to the game. We'll try to get a follow-up on that for next hour, but... Uh, he's had concussion concerns, of course, was out for a lot of the early part of this season, so keep an eye on that. The Caps and Blue Jackets won, so it's Washington first place with 91 points, Columbus and Pittsburgh next with 97, or sorry, 87, and uh, Philly is just one point back with 86. I thought a coup for the Steelers yesterday getting Morgan Burnett, the safety from Green Bay. I wrote about that in the Trib today. I thought Kevin Colbert played this great. The market is slow for safeties. He's keeping an eye on it. Honey patient. Badger, yeah, exactly. Very patient. Honey Badger all of a sudden gets let go, goes and signs a one-year prove-it deal for $7 bucks in Houston, recalibrates everything lower for the safeties, and that's when he gets Morgan Burnett, who, by the way, was projected in February to get $8.5 million per year on a multi-year deal. They got him for 10 guaranteed for three. He was yeah. projected to be the best safety on the market this year. I say kudos to Kevin Colbert for getting this done the way that he did. Well, there were so here, many, here. and I think you – did you write about this too? There were a lot of uh, the, uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers pundits say, like, ah, you swung and missed. You had a chance to get Honey Badger right there. He would have been the guy. I wanted him. Yeah. Because I still thought at that point you are going to see some of these big-ticket safeties still get lots of money. I had no idea the market had come down this far, and – Hey, you know what? You could have gone out and bid against yourself in the legal tampering period and given him or Eric Reed eight to nine million dollars, and nobody else would have been willing to pony that up. So, now, how does this affect the draft for the Steelers? I think it clears a spot for them to go running back earlier if they want to and bolster themselves. You know, there's a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, you can't put the franchise tag on Lev Bell because he'll never be able to bolster the defense." 
Well, they got themselves a new starting safety who's better and cheaper than Mike Mitchell. You got yourself a reserve inside linebacker. Now draft your inside linebacker in the first round and get your running back in the second round who could take over for Lev next year. And James Conner, who everybody loved two years ago, if you want your back by committee, you got two-thirds of it in place going into the next season after Lev leaves. I think this offseason has gone a lot better than people are trying to make it out to be. A lot better, to be frank. Um, here's Morgan Burnett on the slow safety market. To be honest with you, I really didn't get too wrapped up in it. I mean, that's, that's something that's it's out of my control. So I just went about my normal day life. I was with my wife, with my kids, and knowing that, you know, I'm confident in my skill sets and knowing that one day I will get a call. And then fortunate enough, I'm blessed enough to be standing here. I also talked with Michael Cohen, who's a writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's a beat reporter who covers the Green Bay Packers and uh, have a podcast up on the Trib. And he couldn't have gushed more about Morgan Burnett and how good of a guy he is and what he can do for your team. Effusive uh, in his praise, and this is what he had to say. His versatility ranged from playing strong safety, which was his natural position, to that inside linebacker spot. And then, as you mentioned, he also played in the slot. Sometimes, by necessity, he would play even as the nickel corner when things got really dire. But he was primarily the the fourth uh, cornerback in the dime defense. So you'd have your two perimeter corners, you'd have your nickel corner, and then Burnett was the other slot guy. Um, and he also did a lot of work against opposing tight ends. I love the way you characterized it last hour, Tim, when you said Shazier was a linebacker who could do safety things, and this is a safety who can do linebacker things. Right, so now you're not going to get as readily gashed in the run game when you go to your sub package and they try to run against it. I think this uh, this Cohen guy that I talked to, he went through tackles, like missed tackles and made tackles, and I think Burnett only missed 4% of his tackles last year with the Packers. Uh, he missed some games because of injuries. He's had some calf, hamstring, groin injuries. He's 29. He's getting older. This isn't the typical kind of contract the Steelers sign. But like I just said, for what you thought he was going to make, you're not getting pinched nearly as much in terms of salary. Now, we told you about the catch rule, right? They're going to change the catch rule, so it would it should sound like we wanted it to sound as Jesse James was crossing the goal line against New England. There's a slew of other rule changes, right? Four or five other. Next hour... We're going to play a game, whether they they should go forward with them or not. Okay. We we will be the we will be the owners, whether we're going to approve these or not approve these, when it comes to the competition committee submitting them on Friday in Orlando. Uh, Pitt, keep an eye on Dan Hurley. We're still tracking that to see if he's going to UConn or Rhode Island. Instead, the University of Pittsburgh is offering him three million bucks, which makes him the second highest paid coach in the ACC. It's Pitt football pro day. Oh, and speaking of the uh, NCAA tournament. Here is from the files of what we are going to be outraged about today. The New York Post has a story condemning CBS for too many crying kids during the NCAA tournament. No more crying kids during the NCAA tournament. You're being insensitive. Well, you know, if they were stopped crying and start having sex, they'd have enough kids and Toys R Us wouldn't have to close. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe these kids should sack up. Yeah. Yeah, don't root for Michigan State against Syracuse and you won't cry. (laughs) Val's going to do a a, uh, 745 news update for you because we have Bill Burr coming on the show at 8 o'clock. Valerie, what are we talking about next? Uh, We're going to talk about the perfect man cave. Bill Burr, 8 o'clock.
Phil Bork, the old 2 9 or 845. Mark Madden and Stan Saverin in the 9 Central 11. It's 29 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by ChooseNissan.com. Lawmakers are putting heat on Facebook over the harvesting of personal data. The site is facing growing pressure to explain the actions of Cambridge Analytica in the 2016 presidential election. The political analytics company worked on Facebook ads with the Trump presidential campaign and reportedly collected data on 50 million Facebook users without their consent. A Senate Judiciary subcommittee has sent a letter to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg demanding answers to numerous questions about Cambridge. Meantime, Cambridge Analytica is suspending CEO Alexander Nix pending a full investigation. Firm decided to suspend Nix after footage of him admitting it used bribery and seduction to influence elections in other countries and deceive politicians was broadcast on TV. Cambridge Analytica was founded by former Trump advisor Steve Bannon Mm -hmm. and rich Republican donor Robert Mercer. The hashtag delete Facebook is now gaining momentum due to that scandal. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's uh, tough for people to grasp exactly what it is and people are so in love with Facebook that they're not going to let go of it but you really need to look into this if you can and try to understand what has happened so you can protect yourself going forward because while even if you're like a Trump supporter and you're like I don't care my guy won and I don't care about this you're at risk for a whole lot of other things uh, when your data can be manipulated in this way because it goes beyond what you see on Facebook they can you can be very vulnerable uh, on the web, on the web, and be made very vulnerable in a way that you don't want to be. Um, yeah, because they're tra- like if you're logged into Facebook and you go off of Facebook, Facebook is still tracking yes. your every move. Yep, online. Deleting Facebook is a difficult thing. It is not just I'm out. Like I know you started to look into it. Yeah, it's a multi-step process. I thought you did delete your account. No, I just deleted a bunch of people. Oh. <laughs> How good did that feel? It felt great, yeah. but it was short-lived. It, was a, it wasn't a long-lasting high, Yeah, and, and now I need another fix. There's a difference between sort of calling a voter pool and trying to get people uh, ex- you know, excited about a campaign versus stealing data under false pretenses, which is what happened here, weaponizing it, and then allowing a foreign dictator to use that information and target people with fake propaganda uh, and basically trying to sell unrest through disinformation, uh, which is what them Ruskies are good at. Yeah, they're trying to create infighting between you know the common folk, right? And uh, and they and did a good job. Like there's a well, I mean, <laughs> they, they did expo- a pretty good job. They exploited something that was already there. Yep. It was ripe for the picking. I'm telling you, man, Borat, the movie Borat. That's when you knew when you watched him go through the 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 southern belt there. And saw all of those people and those those frat dudes saying life was better with slavery. Yeah, right whenever, there. That was what, our first clue that maybe we should start doing a better job. Whenever throw the Jew down the well killed in a bar. Exactly. Like, all right. Okay. What's going on here? I, I'll, I'll never forget watching that. Just thinking like, we, we might be in a lot more trouble than we think. But I had no idea. No idea. Police officers in Roswell, Georgia, got to play cowboy last week when they were called to wrangle a pack of goats and a donkey that were found roaming around the neighborhood. A homeowner had apparently hired the animals for a few days to eat the weeds and clean up a lot. Unfortunately, the animals uh, got together, I guess, and walked off the job. Officers (laughs) who have never been called for a job like that were able to corral the four-legged landscapers and return them to the property. They have to unionize. Yeah. 
You got to fence them in. You got well, don't they? Well, they'll eat the fence. They might. They eat everything. Do you awesome. have a man cave, or are you hoping for a man cave someday? So, what would you have in your man cave? All my stuff. <laughs> a new survey has found the perfect things to install. The most important thing: multiple televisions and a sound system. Oh yeah, and that's there's no man cave if you don't have that. An indoor putting green rank last, which I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Forty-two percent of guys say more than one television would top their list. Forty percent said a gaming setup. Yeah, for sure. Twenty-nine percent want a fully stocked bar. Got to have a bar, right? 20, it's a man cave. Twenty-four yeah. percent said a dartboard. Twenty-one percent said a pool table. Which you got to have a big man cave. Yeah, you got to have a big table. man cave. If you got a pool table in there. Pool tables, I don't know, are overrated at the house. It's a lot of space. I think it's like a pool. Everybody thinks they want Sounds one. Sounds great. And then they get one and never use no it. No one uses it. My dad went here for Christmas, picked up like somebody had an old pool table. He picked it up in like Homewood and then worked on it in a garage, like totally refurbished it, sanded the legs down, nice. refelted it, everything. And then he said he was working on it in a garage that didn't have heat. Like he was really doing like that good, like dad Christmas spirit kind of thing. And he got all the way to the end and was like, we don't have anywhere to put this. <laughs> so for like three years, we had a pool table in our kitchen. <laughs> I swear to God. That's awesome. You kitchen. just walk in and have to grab a wall and just scoot down the side. It, it took up the whole kitchen. It was hilarious. That's great. Uh, beer, the most popular drink guys want after that is pop and hard liquor. Which you got to have something to mix it with. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, mixers. Uh, 56% of guys said the best location for a man cave is the basement. I'm not sure where else you would put it. I mean, that's where we've been pushed to the not. unlivable spaces of the house. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to go in a spare bedroom. That's kind of weird. Oh, you got to go in the garage, my a dad, friend inside of the laundry room. My dad has his quote unquote man cave on the first floor. And it's like this, it's the only place he hangs out in in his house. And uh, he likes saying man cave too much. It's a little weird. <laughs> And then he had some kid working at the house for him who was like this oversized 12-year-old who was like six foot and looked like he was 20, you know? And he called him man boy. I'm like, you're doing so many man. You got a man yeah. cave. You got a man boy. This is not good. It's like a, it's like a really bad Hanna-Barbera cartoon that you're doing here. The number one guys, uh, number one celebrity guys would want to hang out with in their man cave. Probably not a surprise. The Rock. That's pretty popular guy if, if you want to feel like the weakest man in your <laughs> man cave then yeah kind of homoerotic <laughs> for millennial guys it's drake gen xers want to hang out with bill murray baby boomers say tom hanks it's hilarious that you have a celebrity in mind to hang out with in your man cave in your man cave now, the guy you want is somebody's gonna party with you and make you laugh you want sean casey yeah, yeah that's who yeah. you want you want pat mcafee you that's want right you know want those people and Bert Kreischer yeah they're gonna tell you stories and uh, yeah I'll well, tell you what interrupt the game to, to me just the the phrase man cave is a pathetic rebranding of what actually happened which is we lost 
the war in such a major way for any significant <laughs> real estate in the home. We are pushed to the areas of the house that uh, you can't count on Zillow. Like it, it doesn't count as livable space. It's a shed. It's a garage. But, but man marketing has decided this was a W. We got to own this, guys. How can we put as positive make it like we this. wanted to be here? Who are the ad wizards that came up with this one? There's like there's probably like mixers. There's Johnny Walker, and then there's like extra bedding. <laughs> Tide. Oh God. Fifty-two percent of men said that ideally their significant other would never come in the man cave. No girls allowed in this place where no one wanted to be in the first place. <laughs> Sounds like those guys don't get in the woman cave very often. <laughs> Ringo Starr, now the second member of the Beatles to be knighted in the UK. The drummer yesterday received the honor at a ceremony in London and now joins former bandmate Paul McCartney and having been bestowed the honor of being able to be referred to as Sir... The Beatles, as a group, received the most excellent order of the British Empire back in 1965. Ringo was knighted because of his services to music and charity. When he had cold, another one to three inches possible today. Temperatures in the mid-30s. It's 28 at DBE. So they got the bomber in Austin. Yes. And uh, police apparently surrounded him. The guy exploded a device in his car. He blew himself up. Dear Lord. And they're saying there may be more bombs around town yet. They don't know exactly. So nothing. They don't know if the guy had help. Right. They don't have a motive yet. They don't understand what motivated him to do it. But they did at least stop one guy. And he may have been the only guy or may not have been. But at least uh, a little bit of good news down there in a very scary situation in Austin, Texas. All right. Later this morning, Talking Pens with Phil Bork, Stan Savern, Mark Madden. And uh, when we come back... The one and only Bill Burr. He's going to be at the Benetton Center on April 6th. He sold out the first show so quick, they added a second show at the Benetton Center. He's doing centers now. He's doing centers. Uh, he's uh, on next, DBE. He, uh, they had to write in big block letters at the top of it, Do not congratulate. <laughs> <laughs> Do not congratulate. And he's like, I'm going to. No, do not. I mean, imagine how many post-it notes John Kelly and those guys have had to leave around the Oval Office. Jiggle the handle. <laughs> when he was going to visit the uh, the victims of the shooting, he's like, do not say awesome scar. Right. <laughs> do not. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. Joining us right now, longtime friend uh, of the show here, and he's going to be appearing at the Benedum Center. You're, dude, you have graduated from theaters to centers. You're at a center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it's amphitheaters, and then I start smoking crack right around here. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Burr is with... And you burn it all down, and then you last, and you lose all your money in your marriage, and then you write the book, and then you live off that for the rest of your life. That little book, sitting in a mall. Bill Burr, I had it all. I was playing centers, and I, and I, I blew it. Well, he's Speaking at the. Which, if you want to see some stuff like that, you got to see Mike Judge's new show uh, on the tour bus. Oh, is that great? Tales from the Road oh or something? Tales from the tour Tales bus. From the, from the tail, uh, the tour bus. Oh my God! Every, every, those country singers, 
the way he sets it up is he goes, I used to be, I was an NWA fan. They got all kinds of crap. And, and he was sitting there going like, why, uh, they're giving these guys a rough time. Why aren't they talking about Johnny Paycheck? And you see he shoots a guy in the head. <laughs> I mean, those, those country guys were no joke. No. No joke. Man. Johnny Paycheck shot a guy in the head because he wanted to take him home for chili or something like that. No, he took his what? hat. He took his hat. He was he trading he was trading trucker hats with him. He's like, hey, I like your hat. And he's like, well, if you like it, let's just trade. And then he shot him in the head for doing that and then defended you himself. Forgot the beginning. You forgot the beginning. He was on a three-day coke binge. He was so paranoid. <laughs> okay, now it makes sense. I was being nice, nice to him, going, hey, I really like your stuff. And Johnny's in his head like, what's up with this guy? <laughs> Dude, and they, every 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 one of them. The guy, somebody pulls a gun and either threatens to shoot somebody or a knife. They either shoot or stab somebody every episode, and then you just kind of watch the trial as to whether they get off or not. And it's all animated. It's all I'm not even promoting my show. This is how good this show is. Yeah, it I is on good. A plane the other day, it's tremendous. All guns, uh, uh, dynamites. Uh, there's oh, the, and there's why always is there one that part. much weapon. Like, why is there that much weaponry around when they're all doing coke? No, dude, the bet that's the best part is that they but are. It's America, love it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> they're all like just boozing, and then they get tired of boozing on the road. They're like, it's wearing them down, and then they like interview a band member who's who's still alive, and the guy's like, and that's when he discovered the cocaine. And then it just <laughs> it just goes off the rails. I didn't mind him when he was on the booze. It's when he found the cocaine that our relationship started to go south. <laughs> hey, dude, I got a, I got something else that I can hype that is not has nothing to do with my show. I've been meaning to send this to you. Uh, this is band, and they do a cover of Iron Maiden "Run to the Hills." But it's the Michael McDonald version. <laughs> and, and the guy does a dead-on Michael McDonald, and the song sounds like a Michael McDonald song. And everybody's dancing to it in the crowd. There's like five old people. They're not even in on the jokes. And the guy's going like, What man came across the sea? He took off him. He killed off me. And it's, it's the funniest thing. And he kills it. And in the middle, he, he riffs. He goes, Something like, uh, something, you know it, Kimasabi. He throws that in. <laughs> yeah, Run to the Hills is a dire tale, you know? Like, I never really got into the lyrics, and then I, I checked them out again a, about a month or two ago. I'm like, yeah, this is a, this is a terrible tale here. <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. run for your life. We're being slaughtered. Yeah. Actually, uh, Iron Maiden, they were, uh, dare I say, woke. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the most. They were woke way back in the day. They were woke. Although they were English. I think they were just upset that they lost the Revolutionary War, so they were kind of calling us out on what we did, <laughs> even though they were really part of the beginning. Yeah. 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 Well, Sorry for the chatter. That's I've got my kid here in the background. It's fine. Uh, how, you know, hello. I, I have to her, tell her you. Bit... Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was interrupting you, man. My timing is off here. No, no, no. Your daughter has – I can't believe the way you talk about your daughter, man. It is it's so awesome. nice to hear you on your podcast just gushing over your daughter. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. You know what her word is right now is high. And high means everything. High means high. High means pay attention to me. High means I want that. And when she wants something, she just points at it. And the desperation in her voice, she's just going like, high, 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 high. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, buddy. <laughs> I get it for you. So, uh, Billy, are, are you are, are you worried that fatherhood's going to make you soft? 
No, because what it, it's done is like this paranoia that something bad's going to happen to her. And like the level of like murderous fantasies that I've had, <laughs> I just, I just start picturing somebody doing anything bad to her. This woman came up to me. She had this little adorable dog. Hey buddy, I'm doing a radio thing here. Hang on a second. <laughs> they, uh, she, this woman came up and she had you know, a little cute little, like, I don't know, chihuahuas or something. And she said, like, oh, my God, she's so adorable. She's sleeping through the night. I'm smiling, answering all the questions. And in my head, I'm thinking, if that dog makes one move in my kid, I'm blowing out all four of its ACLs, and I'm hanging you with the leash. <laughs> so that's what I've learned. They said when you have a kid, all of a sudden you realize that you're capable of murder. And I, every time I go out in public, like, I, I just, you know, I look like this happy dad, which I am. But in my head, like, I'm... Uh, was it Colonel Kurtz? I've gone. I've left the program. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Crawford was talking about that this morning. Yeah, just watching his daughter interact with other kids. I was saying she said hi to somebody outside after school, and the person, like the other girl, just it wasn't that she was ignoring her. She just didn't. She didn't see her say hi because she was kind of vulnerable and and shy. And the girl and I looked at my daughter and she had this look at defeat and I went over and I was just like she said hi you didn't hear her <laughs> like oh yeah I mean no you want to kill somebody that happened that happened at her birthday party like she sat you know I first of all I'm so glad I had a daughter all of a sudden the little boys came over like the little girls just sit and play and they're like really like kind of social and stuff but like the little boys came over right mm-hmm. it was like Braveheart. They were climbing all over stuff, throwing rocks onto the cars and stuff. So she's sitting there with the toy, and she's just going like, hi, hi. She, she holds up the toy, and this boy just rips it out of her hand, doesn't say a word, and runs away with it. And she just sort of stared at the kid, and it kind of broke my heart. It was like, wow, she just that's the first time she ever met an a-hole. You know? yeah. and she, she, that's, she's learning that not everybody's going to be nice. It, it really made me sad. <laughs> you can just see it sinking in like why why yeah yeah that's gonna be our new word why why right why so let me ask you this bill is uh bill burr by the way again april 6th the second show is on sale right now for the benenham center get your tickets at trustarts.org um you're gonna do the play-by-play stuff or, or color and analysis for barstool sports is it rough and rowdy? Is that what it is? Yeah, rough and rowdy. It's uh, it's it's literally it's like it's like if you took the UFC or like boxing, I should say. If you took boxing and you added the element of American Idol, like remember <laughs> when you had people who just could not sing and come off they could? the street? If this is the fight version of that, but I respect everybody that's doing it because just the nerve they have, or just the desire to so get on TV that they're going to go there and take a butt kicking. It's the greatest thing ever. It's only like 15 bucks, 16 bucks. You're not going to see one jab the whole night. It's just going to be <laughs> haymakers. It's literally like what a lot of the old NHL fights used to look like back in the 70s, where guys just grabbed the other guy's jersey. You stood like toe-to-toe rather than doing the Ty Domi. He, Ty Domi's the one who came up with that because he was so much smaller than those heavyweights. And he was, he was the guy that came up with the wall. If you stand all the way to the side and then pull him in. Um, which was a great thing to watch him do, but it also made the fights a little more boring when the bigger guys did it. You know? Well, you know, you you talk about fighting in the NHL, and I, I come around to your line of thinking a little bit because there's a part of me that thinks like, well, dude, they don't necessarily need it. I do like it to police the game. I get that. But when there's a guy 
when you have like the George LaRock or, or the guys who can't really do anything else, that then that's like aggravating to me. But I do think that it does play a role in the sport. It's just that everybody I think that they should have they should have Hall of Fame fighters. And George LaRock is one of the greatest of all dude, think about like just how much that hurts your hand and it just and how many times that guy could have got hurt himself and he was so good. I mean, you must you must have heard the audio of him. Good luck. The guy be like, You wanna go you wanna go and he'd be like, Yeah, all right. And he'd go, Good luck. Yeah. How badass is that? And then he just beat the guy down to the ice. I just hate that there was all of these people. That ru- that didn't like hockey and ruined that part of the game. Where they were like, if they get the fighting out of it, I would watch it. If it was like Olympic hockey, I would watch it. Well, now the fighting is out basically out of the game, and they're still not watching it. So <laughs> I don't know. They're like, it's just why don't you just go try to like reenact prohibition or something? <laughs> just taking the fun out of everything. Like I love how they got to get the fighting out of hockey, but they don't have to get it out of boxing. That's all they do in boxing. But all of a sudden, that, that's the sweet science. But God, God forbid there's a fight once every other game. They have to somehow get involved. And there's adults watching it and adults doing it. What is the problem? Burr, I don't, what is the problem? I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the documentary Tough Guys, but I couldn't recommend oh. any more, especially if you love the rough and rowdy thing. These guys are basically from Pittsburgh and kind of sort of started – what the UFC ended up being where it was just they had these flyers where it would be like a steel mill worker and it'd just be a picture of him with his lunch pail and then it would be like uh, a motorcycle guy where you just picture him on his Harley and they'd fight. <laughs> At the Holiday Inn uh, in, uh, in New yeah. Kensington. In New Kensington. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they used to have those, those tough man competitions. I remember those pre-UFC. But the great thing about the UFC was, I mean, I was never into, you know, Never could who's kidding who stick with martial arts, uh, but there was just like uh, you know what it was I could just never slip a punch. You could tell me what you were going to throw three days from now, and you would still hit me dead in the face with it. I just <laughs> never knew where to look. So I just, but I just remember like I'd been working in the warehouse or whatever, and like a guy would take a keto, another guy took like you know, ju- not you just nobody knew jujitsu back then, uh, like I don't know taekwondo, and they would just be arguing about whose style was better. And what I loved about the very first one is you literally saw which style was the most effective. And that was, uh, and, and I remember when uh, that one where uh, one of those Gracie's just, you know, when you have three fights in a night and he was Boys wearing like Gracie. the bathrobe, the white <laughs> bathrobe, like you have to, and he would come in and by like the third one, it was all like wrinkled up and stuff. And he would sit there and he'd get on his back and you'd be like, Oh my God, this guy's going to lose. And then all of a sudden the guy on top was about ready to throw a punch. And then he just starts going like, all right, all right, all right, and starts tapping out. I remember talking to Patrice, rest his soul. And he was like, going, what the F did that guy just do? What did he do? Like, because we didn't understand, like, arm bars or he'd bend back the guy's thumb. You couldn't see what the hell he was doing. It was amazing. So this is obviously a, uh, this is a throwback to uh, what was started there in Pittsburgh, I guess. Uh, one of the guy's tactics, Bill, in the uh, original Tough Man, one of his ta- – this guy's like a, a steel worker, and, and he said, well, everybody was homophobic, so I let it slip like as a – you know, just a lie that I was gay because he thought that would make them not want to, like, get near him. Right. So he goes out That's there as this, like, eight-foot-tall gay steel worker, and he thought that that made him more imposing. 
Oh no! Oh, dude! And then they uh, and then they interviewed this the guy who fought him, Bobby. I knew he wasn't gay. Bobby Serena. He's a Vietnam vet, and he looks like Harmon Munster still. And he, they're interviewing him, and he goes, uh, he's like, I didn't care if he was gay. I didn't care about nothing like that. Now, if he touched me, <laughs> I, I'd have kicked his ass. <laughs> like, if for a second, he's like, I don't care if anybody's gay. You wink at me, you're going to get your <laughs> ass kicked. Dude, I'm watching that the second I'm, I'm done with this tour. Oh, it this is. is it. I got to watch that. I mean, they go. They have to go to bars. They're trying to get people to come out to see them at the, at the the in this basically this hotel ballroom, and they're setting up uh, things, and the guys are, are jagging them off, and the bars are going, well, you know karate. He goes, uh, I know, I know kung fu grip. I know uh, monkey wrench. Yeah, the guys are like, I'll just hit you with a monkey wrench. I, I don't know care about Smith your, your martial arts. Yeah, I'll shoot you. <laughs> These guys uh, are tough whole... guy. I gotta watch. Uh, this is on Netflix. I'm assuming. Yeah, no, it was on Showtime. It, it's like a, a Showtime documentary. So if you, you got to get oh, Showtime on demand. Hey, speaking of the uh, pay channels, you did that great episode of Crashing with Pete Holmes. And uh, I think did Greg oh, yeah. Fitz, written, did, written by Greg Fitzsimmons. I was just going to ask you that. Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah. uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, who he's another uh, Boston comedy guy. And it's funny, I don't think of Pete Holmes as a Boston comic, but he is. Uh, no, he, he was. Uh, no, Pete Holmes, I actually, I worked with him. That, that beginning part of his life, I think he might have still been married or just was going through the divorce the first time I met him. I, he was uh, Peoria, Illinois. Oh, wait, that's right. He grew up in Massachusetts, and then somehow through the married or being in that church thing, he ended up, that's right. He yeah. just never had the accent, so I never uh, I never pictured him as, as uh, a Boston guy. That's right. That's right. He was. That's why he could do the accent so well when we were doing the episode. But did you oh, guys, that you guys, episode was the best. Uh, you've always been, you know, have a great reputation with, uh, like, helping guys along uh, who, who are coming after you. But did you and Pete specifically have that? I never helped Pete Holmes, nor would I ever. <laughs> he, uh, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> just in case he's listening. Uh, no, I uh, I don't know. I, I had a good – I told him he was funny, even though he was bombing that first weekend. Bless you, sweetheart. Uh, just sneezed all over me. Um, I uh, Yeah, he was bombing really badly. Um, but we were also playing a place that was – you know, it was definitely – it was not for somebody as green as him. Like he kind of had to like they and they sensed that he was green, right. and they kind of took out their less disappointments on him. And he was up there, sort of like uh, funny, smart, clever. None of that works in a bar, you know. So uh, he was having a rough go of it. But uh, I do remember we went to go see a movie. Like oh, let's go see a movie, kill a day, right? So we went out and we saw the Ring, and we went in this horrible movie theater, and we were literally. We were literally the only two people in the theater, and uh, I hate horror movies because I totally buy in. Like, you know, people are like, dude, the Blair Witch didn't scare me, or Saw didn't scare me. It's like, yeah, it scared the hell out of me. I totally, I think you're right. <laughs> it's real to me. Late at night as I walk to my car, I'm still thinking that that witch is going to get me or something. So I don't like watching them, especially horror movies that have anything to do with kids. I can't, I can't deal with the anxiety of that. So I started to watch that. That Baba Duke, you ever see that one? Oh, the Baba Duke. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got like halfway through this, and I go, I, I, I'm not going to watch this thing terrorize this kid <laughs> and this single mom. You know what I mean? It, it 
least usually there's a dad there to get killed in the first 10 minutes. You know, they, she didn't even have that. You know, that, How many bad mistakes did that woman make? She goes and gets herself knocked up by some bum who doesn't stick around, and then she moves into a haunted house. Like, Why don't you just give your kid meth in the next one? <laughs> Bill Burr with us. He's at the uh, Benham Center. Two shows. First one sold out. Second one on sale. Trustarts.org. The one thing I wanted to ask you about in Crashing is most so much of it is at the Comedy Cellar, and that is like, you know, the legendary place, and you were such a big part of what that is known for, and that table there is like a sacred thing. And I know there was like, at some point in time during the sort of like, you know, egalitarian effort from everybody to, in the arts to be treated equal instead of, you know, I think it's like a meritocracy, you know? I think if you're good, then you get recognized. And that's what that place seemed to to uh, emphasize more than anything else. Like, if you were good, you're good, and you'll be accepted. Yeah, I was kind of, I wasn't a, a, a big part of it. I was in and out at that club. I'd be in, and then I'd get into a fight with Manny. Me and Manny had a, I loved Manny. He, he passed away, but we, you know, we always remained friends, but we had a lot of, uh, you know, arguments with their, uh, you know, the way they used to book the place and stuff. They had this thing, like, swear to God, you go, you, you call up, you know, you try to do a bunch, as many spots as you could. Um, around the city, right? And you'd just be like, you'd call them up and be like, okay, I have one spot tonight. I have a 9 o'clock at the comic strip. And then they'd call back and be like, okay, can you do the 9.30 at the cellar? And you'd be like, I'm not going to make it. i got to take a cab. They'd be like, you can make it. You can make it. So they would like, you know, they your other spots. So I, I, like an idiot, called them out on it and had a big argument with them. So, like, I was in and out with that club. Like, so, uh, and... I was also very introverted, so I would go to the table, and I was not dishing out the beatdowns. I would take the beatdowns. Oh, really? Different person. Oh, yeah. Much different person. Oh, no, that was Patrice. See, I thought that was you, Patrice, and Voss, and those guys were... uh... Oh, no, dude, I was a a piece of raw meat there. I didn't have the confidence. Keith Robinson? Yeah, I had confidence on stage, and when I got off stage, it was literally like I turned back into Clark Kent, you know? (laughs) <laughs> into my alter ego and i would just take yeah there's a famous story of, of me taking i took literally a headline set i took a 45 minute pounding it was so bad like people who weren't even comedians were listening some were laughing some just felt bad for me like a few of them like they'd be laughing so hard and then i would just hear some random woman that i didn't even know just go oh <laughs> um yeah, but- so, yeah. So I just I just want to make sure I set the record straight. Like I had a, you know, and a lot of it was because of me. You know, I was a very argumentative person. I was in and out at that club, and um, you know. But I mean, I still I still love everybody down there. Manny, rest his soul, Esty, Noam, all of those people. But like, I was definitely, uh, you know, I, I kind of learned what I learned in my marriage. You know, you don't need to fight every fight. Because mm-hmm. I remember Colin Quinn said to me. I go, after I had that fight about the way they booked the place, and I go, I look at him, I say, Colin, am I wrong? And he just goes, he goes, listen, stupid. He goes, everybody knows they do that. They're just not dumb enough to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) And I never forgot that. I was like, all right, lesson learned. Lesson learned from the great Colin Quinn. Bill Burr, F is is for Family Season 3 coming to Netflix soon. Congrats, man. That's right. And you know what's great now? We still, we now have... Two Oscar-winning voiceover actors because Sam Rockwell and Allison Janney both won uh, Oscars this past week. That's unbelievable. Or a couple, whatever the hell it was, a couple weeks yeah. ago. 
But what uh, and uh, yeah, so Vic unfortunately got fired from that radio station. I want to get him back so we can use the DVE inspired radio station again for people in Pittsburgh that haven't watched it. If you watch the first season, that like I remember when I sh- pulled up a picture, I said I know exactly what the radio station should look like, and I pulled up we pulled up a picture in the writers' room, and everybody saw it. They're like, ah, oh, that place is awesome. Because <laughs> when you look at the outside of that building, it's just like how much blow was done in that building <laughs> the second you see it. So. Yeah, a lot. Uh, in the 80s, uh, this place, I mean, it. I, I'm sure payola was like, you know, just standard operating procedure, you know, record execs coming in. Hey, how are you? Here's the new record. And the big, you know, eight ball flies out of the record <laughs> sleeve. Whoops. Oops, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bill Burr's yeah, payola was probably peyote back then too. Yeah, <laughs> Burr's going to be at the uh, Benham Center once again, April sixth. Tickets on sale for the second show. First show sold out. Go to trustarts.org and get your tickets. And you're going to stop by the studio that morning. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it, dude. And congrats you guys once again. Catch me before the big downfall. <laughs> <laughs> Psyched uh, for 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 you and your fatherhood, and uh, glad to hear things are, are so great at home, man. That's awesome news. Okay. Hey, I'm going to send you that. Uh, I'm going to send both you guys that, that, that video clip of Michael McDonald doing uh, Run to the Hills. Dude, have you ever seen Mac Sabbath? No. What is that? Mac Davis doing? That <laughs> <laughs> no, would be funny. It's, it's all the characters from McDonald Land, like Ronald McDonald, oh, Grimace, and they change all of the lyrics. And uh, they dress up like the like McDonald Land characters, and they change all the Black Sabbath lyrics to McDonald like you know, bit, like you oh, know. Send me that. Oh, send dude. me that one, and I'll send you. I'll send you the other one. All right, man. I'll be talking to you soon, Bill Burr. Thanks, man. All right, cool. See all you, right, Bill. Thanks. See you. We'll see you. DVE Sports. Tim Benz is filling in for Mike Pursuit with sports, but do not congratulate him. No. I have nothing to be congratulated Congratulations, for. Tim. Thank you. Damn it! Oh. I'm going to use Bill Crawford's term here to describe the Penguin game last night. It was a Norgrundle of a game. It was. <laughs> against the Islanders. <laughs> a 4-1 loss in Brooklyn. Matt Murray comes back for the first time in nine games after dealing with a concussion, and the Penguins acted like he should get one more, just for good measure. Just <laughs> Johnny yeah. Boy Chuck teeing up shots to the point. He was, took one in the noggin late in the game. Didn't he take one in the face there at the end? That's right when I turned it off. I don't remember him taking one in the face. That happened to uh, Mark andre Fleury, though. Uh, that's a quick update there. He left the game last night in Vegas. Already missed 25 games with the concussion. But as for the Penguins, didn't play well top to bottom. Uh, they took five penalties. They gave up 40 shots on goal. Mike Sullivan, a uh, little bit perturbed. We didn't have a good start. You know, we didn't play with the urgency that we needed to. We didn't defend hard. If you don't defend in this league, you can't win. And and we didn't we didn't defend hard enough. We lacked discipline. We didn't have a good start. That was the story of the game. Play at home tonight, PPG Paint Serena, seven o'clock, Montreal in town. As for the standings right now, they're in second place, tied with Columbus, four points back of Washington, Philly, a point back of the Blue Jackets and Pens. Uh, as far as the Steelers go, I love the signing yesterday, Morgan Burnett, the safety. Me I too. wrote about it today in yeah. the Trib. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, this is what Matt Williamson, pro scout, uh, who is now on the Steelers radio network. He was on with Mark Madden yesterday. You're going to hear from Mark later on in the show today as well. This is what he had to say, evaluating the signing of Morgan Burnett, the former strong safety of Green Bay, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, replacing Mike Mitchell. Yeah, I, I like the signing a lot. I, I think he's a very solid established, versatile football player. 
Um, considered a very good leader. I think he can be used in a lot of ways. Good tackler, experienced but not old, not super flashy, doesn't blow coverages, smart, good influence in the room, which I think is really important for this young secondary. Um, not going to Pro Bowls, but I think he's a real solid starter for the two or three years he's going to be here. Pretty much everything we've heard from Green Bay as well. When I put that clip from Michael Cohen, too, that sounds very sound in terms of the analysis and a sound football player, too. Burnett talked about his versatility. All my time, majority of my time in Green Bay, I was in safety. And it's just I have you know things in my toolbox that I'm capable to move around and play different position if need be. But definitely I, I came into the league as a safety, and that's where I'm comfortable at. And they had you play more free early in your career and then strong later, right? Well, in Green Bay, our defense was interchangeable, so it's not really technically, like in the program it says free and strong, but technically if you're a safety, you got to be able to play both. So that's Morgan Burnett from yesterday. We told you the news in the 6 o'clock hour that the catch rule is changing. So everybody who is complaining about the ball moving just a little bit, be happy about that. Not surviving the ground, that seems to be eliminated from the language. The competition committee has come up with this. They're going to submit this change and others to the owners to vote on in Orlando for the owners' meeting. So right now we are going to be owners. Not the racist guy from Houston, but all the other, the nice (laughs) owners, the good owners, all right? (laughs) So we are going to approve or reject the other committee nominations, the competition committee nominations. I think we're all in favor of the catch rule changing, right? Yes, of course. Here's the next one. There will be a proposal, there will be no proposal for a college-style targeting rule. There have been talk that they're going to do the college targeting rule. You happy about that, or would you prefer targeting, yes or no? I think if you're if you're serious about trying to get hits like that out of the game, I don't see why you wouldn't go with that. I think it causes chaos in college football games. I'm glad they're not putting it into the NFL. Really? How about you? I have uh, on the opinion that those are two different sports. College and football that, and pro football? Yes. Okay, so... It's okay in college, but don't put it in the pros? Uh, I think that anything you can do to teach people different uh, you know, fundamentals all the way up and get the, get the bad habits out of them. So you're saying targeting is still okay in college because yes. it's still the learning process. Yes. I, I just think it so cripples potentially. You've got 80 guys on scholarship that you can play in college. You've only got 50. You throw out your – you throw out – like, look what happened to the Steelers. They lost an inside linebacker in Ryan Shazier for the season. But if you're having, like, the Super Bowl, you lose a guy of that import because of one play that's a 50-50 and some ref decides is targeting? No, that's too much. I think it's too bad. Mm. I'm glad it's not being put in. All right, the proposal for a 15-yard limit on defensive pass interference remains alive. They haven't figured out if they're going to do it yet, but they might have all pass interference I, be 50. Again, this I don't like a, this at all. You don't? No, because I... Th- I do think there are varying degrees. I think that you can. I think amend everybody's going to get held downfield now. You're right, yes. and I think you can amend this. I think there are ways that you can kind of like somehow still flag a 15 on a long one that is like where there's a more incidental contact versus a I just got beat. I'm dragging him down. And if if it is a flagrant, then go the, yeah. the distance. Why not call it a flagrant? Like you got flagrant fouls in the NBA, right? Uh, well, got, that's kind of like what I was sh- saying. Like awarding a shootout. Yes. Uh, sorry, not a shootout. A penalty shot, rather, in hockey. Well, right. That's kind of what I was saying with the with the targeting thing. If it's absolutely flagrant, I think a guy should be ejected for for a hit, and I think he should be penalized to the maximum for for a. A hold. Okay, well, then I'll go to that one next because another rule that's being proposed is you can go back in time 
and look at the Gronkowski play, for instance, or the Mike Evans play, and eject a player a couple plays later. So, like, if New York looks at what Gronk did in Buffalo when he went after that rookie, oh yeah, Jadavis White, and got suspended a game, you can throw him out in the middle of the game even if they didn't throw him out initially. How about that? On review, On we've review. decided yeah. you should get the hell out of here. Right. Uh, That's a slippery slope. It It is, I think, that... Uh, that strikes me as Al Riveron looking at Twitter and being influenced. Yeah. This is one of those ones where they don't need to do anything except implement rules they already, already have in place better. Right. Uh, I mean, Gronk clearly should have been tossed out yeah, immediately. How, how is he not kicked out of that so, game? So be more consistent. Don't change the rule to try and, uh, you know... Uh, compensate for inadequacies in knowing what the existing rules are. Do your job better and start of, instead of making your job more delineated. Right. Yes. Yep. Uh, the defensive players rule will be expanded. In other words, they're trying to... The Joe Flacco player. Remember when Joe Flacco got lit up on Monday oh, Night yeah. Football? I don't know how you expand the defenseless player rule any further. How, how do you do it? What do you do? Uh, was that against Miami? Yes, or, it was against yeah. Miami because it was Kiko Alonso who knocked him oh, out. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you do to make it more Wasn't expanded. he in a slide? Yes. Yeah, that's why you protect guy. I don't know. I mean, like, do you think he should have been kicked out of that game? No, I don't. I think you can call it a flag, but you know, again, that doesn't fall into the category to me of targeting where you throw the guy out afterwards. How many mobile quarterbacks are there in the NFL right now that can beat you with their feet and they kill? I mean, Russell from, Wilson, from Blake Bortles, Watson, to Cam Newton. I mean, there are a lot of guys who can do that. That's that's a tough one. Because if you're just not allowed to tackle them at all, well, it, but but they came up with the rule of sliding when you basically give yourself up as a runner, like you're down, and when somebody dives at your head, like like Kiko Alonso did, I don't know. I thought that was brutal. I mean, I think this one everybody's in favor of forty seconds for a review, even if it's during a TV timeout. But, you got to decide within forty seconds if you're going to review a play, if you're going to challenge a play. I like that. But go go back. One more time to what Bill was just saying about that Kiko Alonso hit. That's again, you don't need to amend the rule. You just have to enforce the one you already have. It just right. feels like they're constantly pandering to look, we're being safe, look, we're being safe. And I think they're muddying the rules of what you can and can't do to the point of absurdity. Um, I don't disagree at all. The Pacific teams want to have fewer starts at <laughs> one o'clock. Did you see that? They're whining about having too many one o'clock starts on the East Coast. Yes, yes, exactly. So, look, I think that's fair, man. Like, I don't know if it's a matter of fair. I, it's smart because then what they're doing is they're hurting TV ratings if you're putting Arizona and Buffalo at 1 o'clock, right? Because <laughs> fewer people are going to wake up and watch the game in Arizona. It's smart, but it is kind of funny that they're whining because they don't want to deal you know, with some of this, too, weather-wise. Uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know if the time is going to affect the well, snow. But potentially if you're getting up. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But... Uh, but it's funny that they would be talking about that with the league trying to push them to London at the same time. Well, they also complained about that. West Coast teams going to London as well. And the final one is the anthem. What do you do with the anthem rules? Because they're saying right now they're not going to propose any changes. I just don't... You know, there was a time when you didn't have the national anthem presented the way it is now. Or People the guys were the weren't even in the locker room. Yeah, they, were, they weren't out of the locker room. Right. If, just you, do if, that. if you feel the need to do it, just, just keep them in the locker room, possibly. Um, or maybe... You know, maybe the NFL should also look at the like not taking six million dollars from the Pentagon, so that every single time you do the national anthem, it turns into a military parade. Maybe toning down the tenor of those things would also sort of help keep tempers low and people sort of rational 
about it. Then you have people things like at a that, rational level. But then you have people like me that look at the planes and go, boy, that fly over. They're awesome. <laughs> there's <laughs> They're no, so there's cool. no way that's going to happen because that's a moneymaker for Goodell. And Goodell, Goodell was there to make money. Yeah. It's, um, but it, it also helped to stoke the flames sure of the, the fire over the national anthem. Danny Hurley still waiting on his decision from Rhode Island about whether he's going to UConn, Pitt, or staying as well. That's because sports. then you immediately associated the anthem with representing the military. And that's right. And sort of like Colin Kaepernick immediately associated with the, an- the anthem. So now he must be anti Yeah, exactly. So. Um, it's a mess. It's a total mess that they got themselves into because they're a bunch of greedy bastards. I well, I hope they got the all. catch rule figured out. That was really all I cared about. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is fine. No, yeah, but is uh, uh, the the new league, Heinz Ward and Troy Polamalu are taking part in, oh, going to fix any of this stuff? No, did you hear the one that they've got, though? No onside kicks. So if you want to do an onside kick, instead of having an onside kick, you are allowed to just get the ball again, but you start at 4th and 10. So if it's if if it's if you're down by eight, if you're down twenty four to sixteen, you've just scored to make it twenty four to sixteen. You can elect to keep the ball with for one down to get a first down. Right, fourth and ten, or the other team gets. So it's it. fourth and ten on your own twenty. Yeah, you start fourth and ten on your own. Can you do 25. that every time? No, it's only within the last two minutes, I believe. Hmm. I'll have but, to double check that part of it, but interesting. That sounds stupid. The only thing kickers can do is kick field goals, no extra points. And in the, the Troy and Heinz League, do you get penalized for not targeting? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the DV morning show. You know, every time we have Phil Bork on, we have the uh, the old 2 Niner song as an intro. Chip Demonic did. Uh, Chip has recorded a full version of the song. Door 
Phil Bork, the old two-niner, <laughs> sprints into the room. Did I beat it? A goal at Just, the board. I mean, How about at, that? At the buzzer. Kick save in the beauty. Uh, the full uh, Chip Demonic song there. Can we throw that out on social media so people can? Uh, all right, good deal. Amazing. Joe will throw that out for you. You can check that out. <laughs> uh, the old two-niner, Phil Bork, is here right now. Borky, nice job getting it's in here. It's a jungle out there. How, how brutal was it? Um, let's see. I left my house at 7.30. Get out. Wow. What's the normal drive? Like half hour, 40 minutes? Half hour max. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kid from Boston behind, uh, I don't know. I think I hit every person that just moved here from Hawaii. No (laughs) (laughs) kidding. Oh, that kind of sucks. Ah, man. We should have been more entertaining the last hour or so. There's been a lot of people counting on us. Uh, Burr was good. Yeah, Burr's great. Yeah, Burr was great. Uh, The old 2-9er. The Penguins weren't good. No. What was that? They played like a team that had four days off. They laid an egg, man. That's a horrible excuse for a team that's won back-to-back championships, veteran club. I actually thought it was going to be the other way. I thought it was going to be like, oh, here we go. Matt Murray's back. Matt Murray was off the charts good. They hung him out to dry from the opening puck drop. Yeah, he won. The first shift. You know what's interesting, Tim, is... He has matured so much the last couple of years that his post-game comments, you just have to appreciate it. First, he says, we weren't good, and it starts with me. And that's, you know, when you hear that's that from leader. your goaltender that mm-hmm. stood on his head at times was, I mean, uh, Cirque du Soleil-like. He was just making these incredible saves um, to kind of keep it 2 nothing and let the Penguins hang around, to point the finger at himself first and say, I need to be better. I think that's inspiring. The uh, save he made in the third period when the Islanders were going sweet Georgia Brown there, dropping oh, yeah. the puck all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Just spinning. Who was it? Latang, the only defenseman back at that point. I can't remember who it was, but it was a, a, you know, a display, a passing yeah. display, and he made a great save to keep it out of the net. And this is the team that's dead last in the Metro. They won one of their last 12. Yeah, and they went globe charters on you at times. Um, <laughs> their goalie's good. Yeah, he's good. He's a good goaltender. Yeah, it's interesting. He's an unrestricted free agent. Christopher Gibson, he's a Finnish goaltender. Um, very athletic. I mean, they, they need goaltending. They got Yaroslav Halak and Thomas Grice there, but that kid. And it's the twice performance in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Put 50 shots on him there, and it took the OT winner by Sid to finally get the W. Um, you don't usually hear the coach that pissed after the game. <laughs> I think it went a minute 17 in this postgame. I gave it too much credit, by the way. He's right. I yeah. said 90 seconds. I exaggerated. Dad Sorry. gets yeah. quiet, and it gets kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's what you want to see. I mean, there. I tell you what, that Irishman, man, when he gets when he gets the temper going, you can just <laughs> see there is fireballs coming out of, of those eardrums, and that's good. I mean, that's a passionate guy that has set a standard here in Pittsburgh with, with his hockey club, and when they don't meet it, man, you hear about it. And I, that little bit that we heard, I'm sure they're hearing – a little bit more. I don't think in the modern day that you can be a coach that comes in and peels the paint and just yells and screams. He has to have some kind of purpose. But I think Sully's able to do that. Where do you even start with a game like last night? I mean, you got to kind of throw it out, but you just you start with the penalties. Can't take those kind of penalties. Yeah, I think two things. Discipline and passion. I think those are the two things that were lacking last night. I mean, it just it wasn't there. I understand. It's 82 games. You're going to have games like that, but you just had four days off. You should have been out like a like a bulldog looking at a pork chop. You might should have, right. and a team like the the New York Islanders that mm-hmm. 
you you let them get the two nothing lead, and they're like, oh, well, wait a minute, well, we might we might be able to win a game here against this defending Stanley Cup champs. They were hungry. They were a lot hungrier than the Penguins. And not only was there. it three one before the empty net, they hit four posts. They hit four posts yeah. along the way. Yeah, well, they had five power plays, yeah. and I think a bunch of those posts came while on the power play. It could have been a yeah. lot worse last night. Yeah, they were just firing away from everywhere. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Did you do any uh, St. Patty's Day uh, revelry? Revelry? Uh, revelry? Revelry, I did not. R- no. No, but you no. and I have a connection. We do. <laughs> when Borky first came back, and they used to, DVE still used to broadcast <laughs> in Market Square, mm-hmm. and I think it was maybe my second year here, and they're like, hey, go down and do whatever song I was I had about St. Patrick's Day at the time. And I remember kind of just being alarmed at how big the crowd was. And I'm like standing on the stage. Oh, in Market like, Square? I'm like, this is a lot of people. Holy cow. And uh, I looked down and Borky's like, yo! <laughs> it was about 75 degrees. The Penguins had an afternoon game, I think, against the Flyers. So it was just mayhem. And Borky had the kilt on. And then I'm like, dude, you're rocking the kilt. And then he went, (laughs) yeah, hello. Yeah, (laughs) al fresco. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you don't mess around. You you go true. I never really knew about Tellermore Do before either. No, that was your first Tellermore Do. Yes, I found out all about it. Tellermore Don't. Tellermore Don't. Tellermore Don't. Don't do it. And I was like, yeah, and I think you had a 12-pack in your hand. Yeah. And I, like, grabbed, like, a bush light or something. I was retired at the time. Yeah, no, you were were in a good, I think you were at the Butya Crew. Uh, the Butya's crew oh, and you guys were partying down, having a blast. Yeah. Oh my! God. I want to say less than ten years ago, they really made an effort to destroy what was that Market Square bleep show. Oh they God, wanted to to make it more family friendly yeah, because the it was show elsewhere. But it that, was Mad Max down there. That I mean, is my was, memory of St. Patty's Day, though. <laughs> Every time I'm the down most? there, I think about that day because it was there were people in the trees. Yes. There were, there were like it just felt like, hey, if everybody gets really mad, we're all in a lot of trouble. Like if this turns into a mob oh, yeah. somehow, well, three o'clock. That's when that we always used to say, if you're still down there at three o'clock, that's when the fist fights start. Yeah, <laughs> the holy trinity of drunkenness in Pittsburgh: St. Patrick's Day, Kenny Chesney Day, opening day for the Pirates. If it's warm, I can't believe how many times I got grabbed. Because I, Under was, your I was free willy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if it was a guy or a girl. I apologize. Yeah. I just didn't believe. Yeah. I felt the furry knuckles and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Here. Furry knuckles. <laughs> I think that's a porn star that Trump had an yes. affair with. Yes. Yeah. Furry knuckles. Uh, <laughs> dude, next year you got to come with us because we did the float this year with Sean Casey. Oh, and, what a blast. And so it was our first time doing it. And we're like, oh, we could really make this something yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to uh, try to make it a little more extravagant next year. And hopefully the Penguins will not be playing and you'll have uh, a... Who is your sponsor for your float? Schultz Ford, Richard Bazzi. Oh, yeehaw. Yeeeh, and haw. I think I've seen Casey wear a kilt before. It was weird. It was like June 9th. It just yeah. made no yeah. sense. No, yeah, he probably just uh, like, hey, everything else is dirty, brother. <laughs> probably does yard work in a kilt. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he was trying to throw... Rowdy, rowdy Piper oh, t-shirt. Oh, picking up sticks? <laughs> they, gave, they gave us these hand cream things like and a bunch of candy to throw out and stuff and potato chips. chips. And Casey was trying to throw the hand creams like two stories on top of like a building. Some dudes were hanging out on top of a building. 
And I thought he was going to throw his shoulder right out. Like, I kept thinking, like, he's going to injure himself he right now. First baseman, they don't throw. Dude, he threw it so far. Dude, he Uncle Rico'd that thing. <laughs> he did. It was hilarious. He running over off. a mountain. Like, show oh! off baseball players. Yeah, dude. going <laughs> to show up on the MLB network in a sling now. And I thought he that, that was a possibility. Uh, so, well, hopefully you'll be doing that. Uh, you'll have a chance to do it with us next year. Tonight, though, you're going to be calling some hockey. Penguins. And the Canadiens. Yeah, interesting side story. Uh, looks like that Carey Price is going to be back for the Habs. He's been out for the last month with a concussion. The other side, and this has not been confirmed, but you would assume Casey DeSmith is going to be in goal. Casey DeSmith grew up in New Hampshire, which is Boston Bruins country. Huge Habs fan. Really? I think his, oh, wow. his grandfather's uncle or something like that used to play for the Montreal Canadiens. So his whole family, huge Montreal Canadiens fan. He grew up a huge Carey Price fan, so... Something to look mm. forward to tonight if uh, Casey the Smith is in goal. You think he gets the nod tonight? I, I think in a back to back, considering the, off the, the workload that that Matt had last night. Yeah, back to back, just getting back. Saw. Yeah, and then you got Jersey coming in here on Friday, so that's that's a big Metro match. Jersey's now what? Just five points behind the Penguins. All of a sudden, yeah. Jersey Columbus has won nine in a row. The Flyers are they got another point last night. They're not going away. Columbus I mean, is due for one month a year where they don't lose. Right, and but after they go through that long they winning streak, tail off, it, it goes off the edge uh, pretty the, deep. The Pens are a little under five hundred on the road this year. Is that yeah? Is that more than a little, right? We're uh, five games under five hundred. This will be the first time the Penguins finish f- under five hundred on the road since Sidney Crosby's rookie season of five oh six. Possibly wow. even more important to stay atop the standings to get a first round home bid. Absolutely. Yeah, you want to hunt down the Washington Capitals, but worst case scenario you finish second in the division, so you have a home home uh right. start at home in the yeah, first round. Of because the then if you're going on the road potentially you're going on the road against Philadelphia or, or best New Jersey seven. possibly. Yeah they yeah they don't play well in Jersey a lot of times yeah. and you know what it's you know, but you meet the, the Lions in Philly. As much as bad as they played last night, you still have your fate. Where you yeah. where you finish in the division, it's in your hands still. You don't have to hope for somebody else to lose. The old two niner. We went super long, but we Thank had you. to do it. The storm oh, is screwing us it. all up today. But the old two niner hear him tonight alongside hockey hall of famer Mike Lang on our brother station one oh five nine the X, your home for Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Borky. Thank you so much. Crow Randall, Valerie, Benzi. I enjoyed this. It was awesome. <laughs> and Good hockey dog. Center 11. It's 30 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. A school resource officer named Blaine Gaskell is being hailed as a hero for his quick response to a shooting at Great Mills High School in Maryland yesterday morning. Gaskell, who is also a SWAT team officer, shot and killed 17-year-old Austin Rollins after he opened fire inside the hallway and struck two students. 16-year-old Jalen Wiley is hospitalized in critical condition, and a 14-year-old boy is listed in good condition. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan's said while it's still tragic he may have saved many other people's lives no no doubt about it heroic effort by a guy who's trained for those situations a majority of americans think there's an entrenched group of unelected government officials manipulating policy known as the deep state a new monmouth (laughs) university poll this week found that while only 37 percent said they were at least somewhat familiar with the term deep state 74 percent think it exists or probably exists the majority of people asked also felt that unelected officials have too much power overall, regardless of party affiliation. The idea has gained more traction in the mainstream since the election of President Donald Trump. Since we started listening to bananas like Alex Jones and giving them legitimate platforms. 
the guy who thinks they made all the frogs gay. Well, they did. I mean, he's you have to admit, he's dead on accurate on there that. There are a lot of gay frogs now. I mean, it is hard to argue that. A Newcastle police officer who found a puppy abandoned in an apartment for weeks is adopting the dog himself. Yesterday, Officer Mark Lewis officially adopted Miranda, who was found near death about two months ago. Officials say when Miranda was found, she only weighed four pounds. The dog is now up to 15 pounds and is in good health. That's a nice story. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the story about the Olympian who went to the dog... Uh, dog meat farm. Dog meat farm. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a weird name for a farm. No, right. Not Don't go on their pumpkin patch ride. <laughs> Super sad. It's really, yeah, it's, it's tragic. No, that was nice. He brought the, yeah. the International Humane Society, stepped in and, and got him. Mm-hmm. Now if they can only, you know, do some work with all of the frogs. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Yeah. should probably <laughs> listen to that guy. <laughs> wow. Uh, Wait, whatever happened to people um, adopting dogs in Sochi? There was like, they were just shooting them in the street. I don't, really? Yeah, I know some Olympians brought those dogs home too. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I do know that they had a run run of the place. It looked like Rockridge in Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. Sochi was just a bunch (laughs) of facades with nothing behind them. Yeah, they didn't have everything built when people showed up. That's Russia. Reports say Amazon is looking into repurposing old Toys R Us stores as their own. Bloomberg reports there are private talks that would have the retail giant moving into the bankrupt firm's location after the toys are off the shelves. Such a move would expand Amazon's brick-and-mortar presence even more than the recent acquisition of Whole Foods markets. And finally, a piece of box office history is coming to Pittsburgh's Heinz History Center. Costumes by designer Ruth E. Carter will be featured at a fashion exhibit, and uh, that exhibit will feature her pieces from films like Black Panther, Selma, Malcolm X, and others. The Oscar and Emmy-nominated designers' pieces will go on tour following their Pittsburgh appearance, and that exhibit will run uh, through November. Beelzebub, Bathomet, Leviathan, the devil. He is the devil. Barack Obama is the devil. (laughs) He's the gay frogman president from Kenya. Gay devil. Forecast today, windy and cold. Another one to three inches of snow is possible, and it is coming down fast now. Temperatures only in the mid-30s today. It's 30 now at DVE. Sure, I'm sure Jim Carrey's, you know, obviously mentally ill. I watched film footage of him last night doing some research when he's just out in public and stuff and doesn't even know he's being filmed. He's obviously autistic or something. I feel sorry for him. (laughs) Okay? He's just a circus freak. They turned Jim Carrey autistic. And you're going to thank the government. Oh, my God. Huh? This is the guy we're listening to. Can you hear any of this, Stanley? I'm listening, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, I'm not in a good mood now. I start start thinking about Bill Gates up to that little chicken neck. (laughs) Hopping or now, a little murdering eugenicist. (laughs) You know how he walks like like a demonic elf. Hey, Bill Gates. I'm going to shoot you up with something that's going to kill you down in the hammer. How's a 30-year death from gut disease sound, African children? Roll up the sleeves. I'm a little chicken-neck bastard, and nobody's got the will to see what I am. Trump called him right after he got elected and said, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, it is so Sam Kinison. Imagine what Sam Kinison could have done if he would have gone the other way. Well, I'm sorry I'm late. I was supposed to be here a little earlier, but uh, I spent the last two hours at a 7-Eleven going, Marble! 
It's the same thing. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Here's uh, Stan Saverin joining us right now. Uh, you ever watch uh, Homeland on Showtime? Yeah. yeah. Well, the character, the Brett O'Keefe, mm-hmm. sounds like that <laughs> That guy. It's the same guy. I know. It's it's feeling like Homeland's a documentary now when exactly. you watch it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I'm behind on three episodes. I, I can't bear to watch it because I can turn on CNN and see the same thing. My favorite uh, <laughs> Alex Jones-ism was when he went to court over custody of his kids and his wife was suing him for divorce, and he claimed this was all an act. He didn't, yeah, he didn't believe in anything he was saying. It was entertainment. Uh, and then they asked him some more specifics that would have sort of uh, contradicted what he said. And, and then he said the details are foggy to him at that point in time because he had a big bowl of chili for lunch and it was making him uh, lethargic. So he wasn't <laughs> recalling. He, he had that forgetful chili. Did he have it with his shirt off? Yes, he always took his shirt off to eat. <laughs> Saves on dry cleaning. Oh. It does. Uh, Stan, you got a uh, special guest today. I do. Uh, at one twenty on my show on 970 ESPN, uh, Kevin Stevens, certainly one of the most popular athletes ever to play in Pittsburgh, uh, will be my guest. I think everybody's aware of his issues. Uh, he's on the right path. He's been sober for nearly two years now, mm-hmm. and he is now going about speaking to folks about the evils of opioid addiction uh, he has suffered through that. Uh, it probably was a major factor in ending his career prematurely. Uh, and uh, he is going to be uh, involved in a Pittsburgh event, which he'll be talking about uh, when he's on the show. Um, I heard him on Mark Madden's show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and a lot of people, and people have asked me, did the horrific injury in the 93 playoffs against the Islanders when he collided with Rich Pilon begin it? And he said no. Uh, that certainly didn't help because, I mean, he has, I'm surprised he can get through airports. I mean, his face yeah. was rebuilt hmm. with, you know, metal plates and screws and whatnot. ton He's, of pain management, right, exactly. over the years, yeah. You know, and that's 25 years ago, too. Uh, he, he said that he actually has an addictive personality. It actually began before that, I believe the year before that. I think they were playing in New York, or maybe it was the off season. He was at a party. Someone asked him, hey, you want to try some blow? And why not? Right. And that was it. That was the beginning uh, for him. Certainly the injury and the recovery afterward didn't help because of the pain medication he was on, but it actually started before the injury. The real challenge mm-hmm. is getting people to understand addiction as a disease because if you think of someone having a disease, you certainly give them more sympathy and you are more sympathetic to their situation and thus more willing to help than when you think somebody has a self-inflicted wound that is self-indulgent. And it's just a choice that they're um, making. And it's hard it's hard to convey that. And that that's the thing that I think he's getting around to doing a little bit that is going to do a lot of good for him is explaining to people who only see it as, oh, you're addicted to drugs. Oh, you like partying too much. Oh, I want you to work for a living, et cetera, et cetera. It's more than that. It's, to- a, it's a trigger that a lot of people are preordained uh, to have. They are born with it. And, uh, you know, when it gets set off one way or another, it usually seems to. And you have to control it. 
Yeah, and, you and know, to uh, control it is to understand it. I, I understand it and admit it. And I don't know about you, Stan, but the times where I had talked to Kevin, there were times where I think he thought he had it licked, but never admit he had the problem in the first place. Yeah, I, I, mean, just, I, I just need to stop drinking a yeah. little bit. That's that right. not directly saying that, but that sort of thought line. Uh, I got it under control. I just got to slow down. Exactly. I have so I many mean, the friends. First, the, the only, I mean, the only way to solve a problem is first to admit that there is one. And I was just going to say, I have so many friends that suffered through addiction, and one of the biggest problems with getting clean and getting sober is pride. That's a, that's a tough thing to admit that you, your life has become uncontrollable. Yeah, that you can't control it, and I'm in charge. And you know, especially uh, not that they're immune, but especially guys you know who are gifted athletically, who are young, making a lot of money, so that's not a factor. And kind of the circles they tend to run in, or the circle tends to find them and and draw them in based on who they are and what they do for a living. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask Kevin: At what point did you say to yourself, "That's it. This is rock bottom. I got to do something." I mean, was there a particular uh, incident? Was it a family situation? Was it one of his kids talking to him? Um, you know, his his ex wife. Uh, I'm interested to say you know, exactly what got to him because, you know, the Penguins brought him in. He was scouting for him and doing a good job, but he still had the problem. And then he left. Now he's back with them scouting on a part-time basis for him. Uh, but I'm anxious to know exactly what it was that said enough. Well, to your point, Randy, about it being a disease, especially when I mean, you get medically hooked to whatever you're on, you got to admit that you need help going and going somewhere to get help so people keep an eye on you so you are properly taken care of and yeah. watched medically so you don't fall off the wagon within the first month or whatever of your recovery. First couple of weeks is crucial. Stan, yeah, you that's you got to surround yourself with the right people. Well, obviously. he's doing that today by getting the word out with you. Stan, yeah. what and time? He's got, he's got an event where he's going to be speaking in Pittsburgh, which we'll be talking about. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll talk about some of the good times, too. And with with, uh, with Artie, there were a lot of, an awful lot of good times. No doubt. All right. Well, good times on the radio with Stan today. ESPN Radio 970 from 12 to 2. 12 to 2, he'll be on at 120. Good deal. Thanks, Dan. DVE Sports. Tim Benz filling in for Mike Pursuta this morning with your sports on the DVE Morning Show. Just looking at Val's traffic on her monitor there. It was all red. It was the kind of red Mike Sullivan was seeing after the game last <laughs> night. It was that oh, shade yeah. of red. Well, he was definitely seeing red. I All I'm seeing on social media is pictures of people waiting in traffic. The town is like in this gridlock, gridlock blizzard mode. Plus, I think that even though people heard snow was coming, they weren't allowing that information to really absorb. March well, snow, totally different than December snow. Totally Yes. Different. I guess I don't really pay that much attention to the parking lot here on a daily basis, but it's empty. There's oh, yeah. like nobody, nobody out nobody's here. Nobody's here. Nobody. There's a hallway that's usually like dark the first hour, and then people start coming in, and the hallway's still dark. <laughs> so everybody else is not working from home as opposed to not working here then. Right. right. That's Perfect. typically what happens. The uh, <laughs> March 25th is the latest snow has fallen in Pittsburgh. What? We might get there. We could get there. Oh, yeah. That's next week. According to Ken Rice tweeted that out, and he doesn't be, lie. Maybe in Never. April. Are you calling Ken Rice a liar? I'm that's not. I'm just surprised. March 25th. Uh, Matt Murray got back in the net last night. First time in nine games. Penguins lose 4-1. to one. They let him see 40 shots in his first game back. He stopped 36. One got by him on an empty net. Well, he wasn't in there, so it was an empty net goal to make it 4-1. Murray says no rust. I felt, you know, I felt pretty solid considering how much time I missed. I didn't really feel all that rusty. I thought I you know, played pretty well, and I felt pretty good for the most part. 
We'll see if he plays tonight. When Phil Bork was in earlier, he was saying that we should be expecting Casey to Smith in all likelihood against the Montreal Canadiens on the X, 7 o'clock this evening. Penn's now tied with Columbus in second place, four back of first place Washington in the Metro, and the Flyers are just one point behind Pittsburgh and Columbus after an overtime loss last night. The Blue Jackets won, and the Caps won as well. Football for you. Uh, Morgan Burnett is a Pittsburgh Steeler. He was deemed to be the best safety available on the free agent board at the start of the open bidding period. Then Teron Matthew was cut loose. That sort of stole his thunder. But next thing you know, Matthew signs a one-year deal in Houston. Burnett's still there. Kevin Colbert scoops him up for $4.5 million a year for a guy who thought he might get eight point five at the start of free agency. That's a deal. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, in fact, we had... Earlier on today, Michael Cohen on uh, the Trib Live podcast played a clip from him earlier, and he was singing Burnett's praises. Couldn't say enough good things about him on the field, off the field. So I had to ask, why did Green Bay let him go then? Here's what Michael Cohen from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had to say. The two biggest um, negatives on him right now are a little bit of an injury concern, you know, given the fact that he's had some groin and some hamstring and some of those muscular injuries over the last couple of seasons. And then his range has started to decrease a little bit. He was never a blazing safety to begin with, but, you know, his range is, is a little bit less than it used to be. Now one of his best skill sets is communication. He's great at getting the defense lined up. You don't often see a safety with the headset they wanted him to have the headset as a safety. It's usually a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Now, he can play a little linebacker, too, and we might see him do that here, but that's how much trust Green Bay had in him, and this is what he had to say about having the headset. When they brought it to me, I kind of was like, whoa, that's, that's nothing I'm used to doing, but, I mean, it doesn't take long. The only thing you're doing is repeating what you hear in your helmet, and sometimes it can be a tongue twister, but you got to <laughs> improvise and make sure everybody gets it right. 29 years old. and Did they have to tase one of the reporters there? Oh, is that what that? Yeah, it was They're Teresa Varley. She always gets out of here. Changing tires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pit crew yeah. came in. A uh, couple notes here, just as far as uh, other football news. Troy Polamalu, Heinz Ward, they're taking part in the Alliance of American Football. It's a new spring football league. Nobody's Our, given this league a chance. Uh-uh. Right, except for CBS, and they're putting the games on. And the Charlie, AAF? Yeah, the AAF. And Troy is somehow <laughs> involved in uh, player relations. He's going to be like a player... Ombudsman or something like that. Get him dates. I don't know what that means exactly. Player relations. Uh, (laughs) Word is Panther basketball job opening now up to three million bucks for Dan Hurley if he wants it. UConn and Rhode Island. Rhode Island trying to keep him. UConn trying to get him. He would be the second highest paid ACC coach behind only Coach K if he were to get that. And uh, the catch rule is going to get changed. So Jesse James's touchdown would have counted. Troy Vincent from the Players Association said specifically that play. Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, those catches all would have counted as touchdowns. Wasn't Des Bryant three years ago? Yeah. Well, Bert Emanuel was 16 years ago, and that was as much in the forefront of conversation as anything when it came to the ground helping you catch the ball. That was back when the Buccaneers were playing the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, that that, that Des Bryant catch was in the playoffs, too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The Packers? The round before the championship, yeah, Mm -hmm. divisional round. Then lastly, this is my favorite story of the week uh, from baseball. Texas Rangers pitcher Martin Perez. Don't know if you're familiar with him, left-handed pitcher. Uh, He is currently working his way back from the injured list because he's got a busted elbow. He fractured his elbow fighting a bull. He has a ranch, and in the offseason, he tends to his ranch and wherever it is. I don't know where he lives, but he's 
taking care of the Bulls. This one bull went crazy, knocked him to the ground, fractured his pitching elbow. So out of spite, he killed the bull and ate it. Oh my now that's God. the that's the best story of sports revenge I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Had the bull like an alternate to ending to Ferdinand. <laughs> That is him. crazy. Who's this guy pitch for? Texas Rangers. And his one quote was, it was good meat. Wow. Hope he didn't drink any of the milk. <laughs> well, it, it is a bowl, and we'll let people connect the dots from there. That's uh, sports. Mark Madden. No bull with him when we come back. Do you like how I did that, Mark? I see what you did there. Ain't, I wasn't listening. Ain't no, 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 <laughs> nobody really is. It is the DVE Morning Show. How much trouble... Which one of the roasts that we did do you think we'd get in the most trouble for? The Sally Wiggin, uh, well, they were all out. Anyone that Sally Wiggin Stan, was on the dais. Stan, Sean Casey, those are really the two worst ones, I think. Well, I wasn't there, but I think the worst one was probably Charlie Batch because it became a testimonial and not a roast. Uh, well, no, uh, yeah, but we wouldn't, get in tr- we wouldn't get in trouble for it. it was no, you would have had sh- you. Well, had you had me. Oh, <laughs> Remember my proposed opening joke? Oh, yeah, your joke. Yeah, well, I had to apologize to Charlie's mom and aunts afterwards. They were really pissed at me, and I don't think they understood that the roast was meant you said you were going to say mean things. Well, no, the the week of, Charlie comes in, he's like, you guys aren't going to make fun of me, are you? And I'm like, oh, no, Charlie doesn't know what a roast is. (laughs) 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 Looking at my material going, oh, God. My opening joke would have brought the house down. Charlie thought a roast was. Which is why it's better I didn't show up. Charlie thought a roast was his road game in Cleveland where they fumbled eight times. (laughs) Uh, Mark Madden is uh, with us right now here on the DVE morning show. Mark, I understand that you uh, don't think that the pit job is an attractive uh, position. Now, why oh, would you I think I don't know that? why people would think that's not an attractive position. Yeah. <laughs> they went 0-18 in the ACC, and as of right now, I'm not sure they have enough players to, to, to put a team on the court. Uh, <laughs> nine players want to transfer. I think that leaves literally two. So the one-one one zone defense. It's I very don't care popular. If that's Bob Cousy and Kareem. <laughs> Bob Cousy. You're not going to do too much with those two guys. And first coach player for college. <laughs> I think that's what we need. You need in that case. You need Bobby Hurley, not Danny Hurley. <laughs> but uh, I think whatever Hurley does will really put an exclamation point because I think he's going to stay at Rhode Island or go to UConn for less money, which will tell the people all they need to know. And. I'm getting excoriated on Twitter. When's the last time you went to a pit game? How long how long has it been since you wrote a story on pit? I go, well, you know, all I need to know is 0-18 in the ACC. I don't need to step an excrement to know that it stinks. <laughs> I just had my, my you mind's You have to get eye. pretty close to it, though, don't you? I mean, you do have to get your Not nose. Not 0-18 cl- right. excrement. <laughs> I'm picturing pit going out there. Remember that old video game NBA Jam where it was two-on-two? Two? Yeah. You played two-on-two two and you had the fire dunks and <laughs> the fire. Right. <laughs> Except He's they have no up. fire ever. It's just two guys getting beaten on by Duke with a five-man <laughs> offense. Well, I, I just don't think they're going to get anybody of any note. I, I think they'll, if, if you made me predict right now, I think they'll wind up settling for Kevin Willard. He used to play for Pitt, and he's not the Seton Hall coach. And he's okay. He's done an okay job at Seton Hall, but he's not what Pitt needs to dig their way out of that hole. Do you think that, um, and this I think is emblematic of fans everywhere, maybe not just in Pittsburgh, but uh, is there some like hindsight 2020 going on in respect to Jamie Dixon's tenure here? That's a good question. I don't know. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, uh, but are those rose-colored glasses, I guess? Well, is I, there an overly sunny sort of reflection of what they saw well, Jamie yeah. Dixon at the end? And you know what? That came up the day after Syracuse beat TCU. Is people were saying, oh, look, there's Jamie doing what Jamie always does, losing to a loader-seeded team in the first round of the tournament, and then sort of snapped him back into why they chased him out of here well, in the first well, place. The general <laughs> problem with pit athletics, and this goes for football, too. Well, they gave up on football. Don't you think? I mean, don't they sunk every, all their eggs into the basketball basket? You mean back when by building the Pete? Yes, I think. Mm. I think they thought at the time that Heinz Field would be it would be right. actually good for Pitt's program and for football. I don't think they gave up on Pitt football. I think they just misunderstood. You can't give up on football. Football drives the bus. It brings in by far more revenue than basketball. But it I think does? It, yes, by yes, far. It by does. far and away. Pitt it's not football even, still brings in more yes. than basketball. It's, it's not even... It's not even TV. It's home games. Pitt, oh, okay. Pitt's, yeah. Pitt's worst years in football brought in more revenue than Pitt's best years in basketball. Oh, I, I really... Uh, I was misinformed then. I really thought it was no, the other no, way around. No question that's the case. So, uh, I think if they had it to do over again, they might, build, they might have built a football stadium where <laughs> the Pete is, but that's obviously uh, very rancid spilled milk at this point. But... Uh, I, I think that the rich fools, the uh, erstwhile Golden Panthers that, you know, really run pit athletics. Heather likes just their errand girl is all she is. Just Are you like, saying there's a deep state at Pitt? What's that mean? Like the uh, like Illuminati. Uh, Illuminati type thing. Yes. Do you think they yes. need to drain the crick? <laughs> I, I think it's been drained. <laughs> and I think what's at the bottom stinks. Uh, but, but it was the same with Scott Barnes. I mean, they were, you know, the, the AD is just the errand boy for the erstwhile Golden Panthers. And they don't understand the ceiling for Pitt athletics. What Pitt did under Jamie Dixon, like his last season, what, 9-9 nine and nine in the ACC, and he made the tournament? Perfectly acceptable. And they conned themselves into believing better was possible. Well, we see now it's possible. Same with football. Well, they, they had that. that. Yeah, they should have never run him out of town, too. He did fine. And he was a Pitt guy, and he recruited well. And instead, they thought they could do better, well, and they haven't. And now it's a revolving door of coaches. Where where Pitlock dot, and I, I say this very uh, uh, while flinching, the Michigan State various scandals will probably keep uh, Narduzzi at Pitt and not to go back to Michigan State to succeed D'Antonio uh, unless unless that happens far enough away from the scandals where people have kind of forgotten about it, like, like they do with scandals. Yeah, I don't know. It's a sad situation, but don't all those players that filed for transfer still reserve the right to come back, depending on who the coach is? Yeah, if they don't commit somewhere else, but before, they can pull their transfer request. Well, right, the, How the much does it hurt you to bring back? And, the new coach could come and convince them to stay, so that's a rock-hard place to bait. You want players because you don't have players, but these guys went 0-18. Right. That's why if they don't get a guy like Willard, like he's talking about, a guy they should really look at, particularly if he wins his next two games and gets the Final Four, and then it's a lot more easy of a sell as that Musselman guy from Nevada. He's the, well, right. He's an he, expert in transfers. Yeah, there you go. He has five transfers playing right now. He's going to get to the Final Four. He knows how to play that game. Uh, that's his waters that he swims in. Keep a couple of the guys that have not yet transferred. Go out and get some more, and then maybe you win four games in the ACC, and you can <laughs> build from there and backfill behind it with roster talent that you recruit. With uh, the the recent signings, uh, Steelers defense right now, how much better are they now than they were uh, against Jacksonville? In that's the, a good question. The that I'm ended curious their to see how that plays out myself because nobody's you know been brought in to replace Shazier. That Boston guy's not no. it. The, whoever they draft in the first round has to approximate that. I don't think he'll, you know, get to that level. Certainly not right away, but maybe he can come close enough for a rookie. Uh, I like the safety, who I'm going to call Morgan Freeman. Every reference because 
the first name Morgan, I just always freeze. Racist. It's Morgan Burnett, right? Yes, it is. I'll Racist. either call him Morgan Freeman or A.J. Burnett. Why don't you call him John Burnett? On every reference. Uh, <laughs> okay, John Burnett. That's yeah, good. Right. But uh, but uh, <laughs> I think he's pretty good. I think they got him at a relatively bargain price because he wanted like he wanted eight, eight million five. He got four a season. Carol so, uh, so I think it makes the D better, yeah. although I had Matt Williamson, uh, the former pro and college football scout on my show yesterday, and he thinks rather than uh, – then Burnett playing strong safety and Sean Davis moving to free safety, that they're going to move Cam Sutton to free safety and Sean Davis will be the third safety, uh, which shows a real lack of respect and, and faith in Sean Davis. But maybe that's deserved because he won so great. And maybe at least creating competition will help. But the Steelers are still a very flawed model to me. Mm-hmm. They have a great offense and not a very good defense. I played that clip earlier, Mark, from Matt Williamson on yeah. your show yesterday. And I think – what. Where you're talking about them replacing Shazier, they're closer to replacing Shazier with Burnett than they are with Bostick. Oh, in the way Burnett plays. Yes, especially yeah, in passing true. situations. That's true. that's true. And I still think they go out and they get themselves a first-round inside linebacker, and you're looking at the model of what their offseason was supposed to be the whole time, except they didn't get left to a long-term deal. They just got him on the franchise tag. Uh, if I can interject, I'm worried about the Penguins. I was going to switch last there for the last Last night wasn't part. good. And, and here's the thing. Do I think they're actually going to miss the playoffs? No, I don't. But it should be noted that Florida in ninth spot, you know, one out of a wild card, is six points behind the Penguins with two games in hand. And the Penguins look flatter than the proverbial plate of urine right now. Uh, <laughs> they just they just were awful last night. Uh, is I mean, that, that like was, the Shroud of Turin? It's a different thing? <laughs> much worse. <laughs> oh. uh, this is uh, last night was just an awful effort. And, you know, they played a last place team that is the worst defensive team in the National Hockey League and lost four to one and only got one goal. It was awful. And I want to talk at length on my show today. You usually do. Uh, whether they want me to or not. Yeah. Uh, I think they can't play Kessel, Malkin, and Sid on separate lines. I know that's the master plan and kind of the reason they got Broussard. But the stars don't look like stars, except for Malkin once in a while. And he hasn't for, what, a week or so. Sid hasn't looked like a star in a long time. He took another boneheaded penalty last night. Well, I mean. Uh, <laughs> flailing backhand. When, 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 it, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. But uh, but I, I think that they got to consolidate their top six forwards on two lines. I think Malkin got to play with Phil, and Sid got to play with Hornquist and Gensel. And then your third line would be the more proverbial checking line of Broussard, Haglin, and Ross. But that's a heck of a third-style third line. Like theory, that that's line. a good third line. I, I just don't think this way is going to work. And I know they really want it to. I just see no signs that it will. The, the stars need more help than they're getting from their line mates. How long did it take you to get into work today there, Mark? The oh, snow? Not too bad because I, I there's no side roads between my house and... and so you're here. all on Main Streets. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, boy. It uh, finally has cleared up outside uh, Val, I, uh, the it's road. It's still snowing. No, it's still snowing. But, I mean, at least the parkway is moving in both directions. It had basically been a parking well, lot. Well, when Selena morning. puts out the bat signal, people people listen. When she let everybody know. Selena Pompiani is the new weather goddess, isn't she? Traffic goddess. Traffic yes. weather, same deal. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the term goddess, but why? Because it's it's like a she's a pomp spring. I don't want to like be disrespectful. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't being disrespectful. Okay. I wasn't talking dirty. Goddess is. I thought this is a respectful term. Yeah, you met it with like Wonder it, Woman. Yeah. yeah, but you get uh, you know it's a it's a slippery slope with you. Oh, not with, please, not with, you're right about Selena being a Palm Spring, no question. Yeah. He doesn't mean it the way Corey Feldman means it when he goes on tour with the goddesses. Uh, Corey okay. Feldman knows Selena Pompiani? Yeah, she's in his band. Yeah. She's really I actually, great at bass. I believe it. Yeah. 
Um, Mark Madden's doing a radio show on 105.9 The X uh, from 3 to, you know, whenever he's uh, just... Yeah, I stop, I start, you just stop. Yeah, yeah, it's really kind of Oh, I'm at Buford's on Fifth Avenue, so people would want to come and actually see me live. How'd that go? Oh, you're no, doing it tomorrow, today? Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. I thought you were doing it today. Wait, there's a Penguins game. Uh, wait, tonight. yeah, it is today. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to be at Buford's. They got good food, right? They have good everything. Really? What else is good there? I like the uh, the gumbo. Oh, you go for the gumbo. Very yes. nice. Is it a green gumbo or is it a brown like they make the roux? Like, uh, you know, there's two kinds of gumbo. It's a brown gumbo. Yeah, there you go, the little it, roux. It's like the uh, the andouille, whatever you pronounce it, andouille sausage. Andouille sausage. Andouille sausage. Green yeah. gumbo? Uh, a lot of people, yeah, there's like this weird seafood gumbo thing and it comes out looking kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had that. I've had that in Vegas. It's yeah. pretty good, though. Um. But yeah, the 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 brown, the roux, yeah, that's what you want. Nice and salty. It's and next week, by the way, I won't be here next week, and I'm sure you'll still do a show. But I'll be in fabulous Las Vegas. What are you going to do week. there, Mark? I'll be seeing two Golden Knights games because that's a real break from watching hockey here to go and watch hockey there. Maybe not without flurry. Yeah, but don't you actually? Again. Isn't it like a relaxing? Yes. Uh, uh, way well, to I'm watch hockey. I'm going to the press box for one game because mm-hmm. then we don't have to pay. Oh. And then I'm, a, a friend of mine, I'm going to a game with him, and I'll, I'll you know see Flurry after one of the games and talks out there. Rick Talkin coached in Arizona for one of the games. The Michael Schenker group I'll be seeing for a third time Jeez on this Louise. tour. And also, do Burton they give Cummings. you miles? Is there? Do you get like free ticket for every fourth show or something? For Schenker, yeah. You know, it's weird. Nobody showed up to Schenker see him at miles. Carnegie. Science <laughs> that, that like Carnegie camel cash music call. <laughs> yeah, Only like two hundred fifty people. That was it. But I was at the Agora in Cleveland to see him last Friday. Like nine hundred people it was packed. Uh, well, you know, people forget. First of all, Cleveland is a lot bigger. Uh, second of all. I didn't think that show was very well publicized here. No, well, and, and, and Cleveland and Chicago are the two big UFO strongholds, too. So they oh, always yeah. draw better for UFO and for Schenker than most times. That's like Billy Price moving to Baltimore. He's like, hey, I, I can work all the time down here. You know, so Pittsburgh lost a great bluesman because he's moving. Yeah, to- I was sad to hear that. Billy's really. He's awesome. You know, I mean, is this a good rock town? I mean, how do you see it? Yeah. I'm, there's, you know, there's a lot of debate about uh, how it can be improved, but uh, you know, it's pretty good. I think the demographics of this town limit it. I think it can only get so big for everything. I think the homegrown product uh, in any art form here has a ceiling, and you have to move to where the industry is if you want to continue on. I, I think that's actually true, even more than. Uh, here's an example I always use. It, it, if this is apples and oranges, I'm sure you'll make fun of me. But uh, Paul Spadafore, remember him, the boxer? Sure do. If he had left Pittsburgh and, and gotten away from the people who ruined his career, that's a kind of a sidebar. But, you know, when he became, like, a legitimate contender in boxing, he needed to go to Vegas or New York because that's where boxing is. Mm-hmm. And he stayed in Pittsburgh and was content to be the world champion of Pittsburgh and never really got a shot. And I don't blame him for that at all. I blame the people who, who mangled his career. But, you know, if you want to work for, you know, Google or Uber or things like that, you know, there's – this is a great oh, place no, no, for yeah, that. Yeah, you're no, working for, at the top your boxer, of your field. He's right. Then you're selling out the Palumbo Center, and that's the biggest fight of your life. Yeah. Right. yeah. So Same I, thing for comedy. I tell the, the guys that all the time. There's a, there's a great scene here, but if you really want to do it, you got to be in New York or L.A. I would like to see Spadafora fight Donny Iris at some point. I would like to see Spadafora play at the Carnegie Music Iris, Hall. TKO in yeah. the ninth. No doubt With about Shanker. it. With Shanker. Yeah. I want to see. Sp- <laughs> would have drawn more than 250. <laughs> I want to see Spadafora and Shanker on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the first scoreless tie in history of Jeopardy. Spadafore is trying to figure out how to work the buzzer. He's got it upside Spadafore down. Spadafore would be like, oh, what the hell are you asking me for? Yeah. <laughs>
He's know. like the Sean Connery, Will Ferrell character yeah. in Saturday Night Live. Make it happen. Take anal bum cover. That's <laughs> album cover. We're, uh, we got to go. Listen to Mark Madden. Thanks to Stan Saverin, Phil Bork, Bill Burr, and comedian Jeff Conkle. He'll be at the Arcade Comedy Theater this Saturday night. We'll remind you more about that on Friday when Sean Collier's here because uh, that's Sean's gig. Tomorrow, the mayor's going to be joining us. Drinking Partners Podcast Which will mayor? be in here. Uh, the actual mayor, uh, Peduto. If Sean Casey ran against Peduto, I think Casey wins. Uh, he'd forget to like show up and you know campaign vote for himself. Yeah, he'd be he, like, he'd "Oh, dude, it. I totally forgot to register. I'm an idiot." Throw oh. tootie fruities out at the debates. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Stanley Savin will be back. And uh, once again, the DV Comedy Festival sold out. We sold that out in like 48 hours. Burt Kreischer, Brad Williams, Roy Scovel, Sarah Tiana, Bill Crawford on June 29th. But we're going to add some more shows around that that we'll be telling you about coming up. All right, Michelle's got the uh, snowy lunchtime for you. When we come back here, DV. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.